0: happy friday everyone welcome to unsaved space i'm your host carter learn and i'm joined by carrie from an undisclosed location in a hat Hi, Carter. Um, that's a new hat that that's more of a construction hat um yeah i'm i'm well i'm well and uh i want to carrie will be happy about this i think because i'm finally doing my job in some areas i added two ways to donate to uh, unsafe space via fiat currency so you can use zelle or paypal now on unsafespace.com slash donate so if you like what we do please help us keep the lights on um, Like share and subscribe good. if you can't if you can't pay uh, What else what other announcements do we have book club book club when
1: if it's your first time here? We have book club coming up soon You can go to our book club page on unsafe space.com and see the dates the current book that we're reading is Human Diversity by Charles Murray and nonfiction. And then the next book we're going to be doing after that is The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Yes. So you guys can join us. If you want to be a part of it, just read the info on, on the book club page on unsayspace.com. But you can join us in the video chat if you want to, or you can also just be in the live chat like today.
0: I think it's the 27th is the next book club, but I'm not totally sure. But you're right. it's on. I the think website. you're
2: right.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: You're right. It's on the website. So uh, I don't know, Carrie, how's life? How you been? How's 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 your undisclosed location?
1: I'm good. I've been seeing all I've been seeing all different parts of America. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm just tagging along. My boyfriend has shows some shows that but anyway, some got cancelled, some didn't. So we've been in lots of different places and I got to go to Creed, Colorado, which is beautiful. I'd never been there before see an old silver mine just really gorgeous scenery and uh yeah it's been fun I, I was up in idaho at Pre- priest lake for labor day weekend and that was beautiful and uh i got so used to being in idaho and montana n- nobody's really wearing the masks plus they have on the, the lowest in terms of numbers as well and they have the least regulations and mm. Uh, and then when I came back down to Denver, I was back in mask country. Oh, so <laughs> and is did, Colorado is mask country. I had gotten country? a little, yeah, parts of it. Yeah. yeah. So right. I'd gotten a little bit, uh, what's the word, just uh, taking it for granted. Again, being in a place where you're not being judged all the time for not wearing one. And then back in Denver, it's like, okay, great. Bring on the judging. This really brings out the worst. Side of, of people. The uh, the people who have little tyrants inside of them, little authoritarians who want to tell everybody else how to live, those people are really emboldened by these mandates. <laughs> Which, by the way, Maria Tuscan sent me a text. She said, let's not call it a mask mandate. Let's call it a face ban.
0: <laughs> a face ban? I love that. <laughs> Which. It is a face yeah, ban.
1: It's a face ban. Yeah. But uh, it was really nice being in some places where people were just normal. And going about their life and talking to and and it's not any particular politics. I know they try to make it a right left thing and it's really not. A lot of people have conformed now because they've, oh, this is what my tribes do. My tribe's wearing it or my tribe's not wearing it. But originally, ultimately, if you're talking about people who are deep thinkers, the choice on whether you're wearing it or not just really has to do with personal responsibility Uh, your own contextual like what 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 context are you in are you around people who are are older and uh you might want to wear one around you know like whatever your context happens to be it doesn't it's not a it shouldn't be a political thing a right left thing and so it was nice to be in a place where it didn't really matter people on the right or the left were just not wearing them because the culture there was more about no i don't know
0: yeah no I, personal I,
1: responsibility i don't know i don't know what i would
0: say yeah i mean i think you're right i think it's, it is uh personal responsibility probably um i know speaking of the yeah. wearing the masks i know that there was a news story i didn't i didn't look deeply into this but i guess the the mainstream media is freaking out because trump knew that covid might be really bad early on but said things to the public to so that we wouldn't freak out like, oh, it'll be fine and everything will be okay. And that apparently yeah, is, is really, really bad a, to do. Uh, but just they what were
1: the president does. Right. But if you recall and they were also Obama yelling did at him standing. for
0: Yeah, but if you recall, they were also yelling at him for shutting down flights to the US from China.
2: Yeah.
0: When he had more information yeah. about how bad it was. But no one's yeah. saying, oops, sorry about that, say, Mr. President, you actually knew Instead, they're just piling on for like, how dare you be inspirational?
1: Well, it doesn't matter what he does. And, and first of all, let's back up. Obama did the same. That's what a good president does. You don't inspire the American public to freak out. You give them facts, but you don't <laughs> right. overstate it. Like the media has tried to make you, make everyone freak out. The media has filled that gap. But you're right. At the beginning, he actually banned travel from China, and they accused him of being hysterical, being xenophobic, being a racist. The right. media at that time was downplaying it because they always put themselves in opposition to whatever he does. This is part of the reason why liberals like myself are going to vote for him this time, because you guys – the media is so horrible that you've made him look good. How, how did that happen? You guys I feel are like disgusting. You can, it doesn't yeah. matter what he does.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think you can – I, I think you can I, kind of tell who to vote for just by who the crazy people hate with the passion. It's like, oh, they really yeah. hate that guy. There must be something there. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and it, and it, it, there's, there's nothing he could do that they're going to say, oh, that was a good move. It doesn't matter what he does. And that is, that, it it engenders empathy towards him if you're a person who's not... So completely blinded by ideology or by your tribe, by tribal politics. Yep. If you're a human and you're allowed and you're actually open minded and you're looking at what's going on and you come to realize, wow, he can't do anything right with when hmm. it comes to the way the media reports on it. They're gonna they're gonna attack him from this side and then from this side. And it doesn't matter if their attacks are hypocritical or contradict themselves. I'm sorry you're getting me fired up at the very beginning of no, the episode. Great, get fired the up, it's disgusting. good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the media disgusting is disgusting. Me. They, the media are the enemy of the people um the corporate press is the enemy of the people yeah I, I you know he he simultaneously is he, he was too positive and too xenophobic and racist all at the same yeah. time in the same way you
1: know <laughs> God forbid he does what a leader is supposed to do which is to give you facts and also try and keep people calm that's what a good leader does. Did you guys forget that Obama did that many times? They don't attack him for that. I've gotten to where they're every time they I I had to go back because I believed a lot of falsehoods about him. And I had to go back and look at all those and and research them and figure out what was the truth. And once I realized how many times they lied and they took things out of context and and now when they when I see, oh, there's a big blow up because they said it's like the um, the boy cried wolf. Now right. he could do something horrible, and with their first time they report it, I'm probably going to be like, yeah, I don't really believe that. I Let me look. Like, now yes. I just don't believe you. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, that's one of the things that bothers me a lot is, like, they've kind of forced us into this black and white world where it's like, well, I don't well, – wow, I didn't mean that uh, in the intersectional way. But uh, they forced us into this black and white world of, like, oh, I, I don't trust anything the media says about him. But maybe some of the stuff is true, but actually I I've I've come to this place now where I just kind of default assume that they're lying and he's not that bad. But maybe some of the things are true. Yeah. Like there's no nuance. <laughs> uh, it's basically like you're either Trump is great or Trump is horrible everything he does and there's like no middle ground. There's no one that's saying, "Actually, that was pretty handled pretty well and this thing over here is a problem." And you know, like there's none of that. There's none of that. Um so yeah, I there are guess a few
1: people who do that, and those people I really respect, you know, but it's very few journalists who are even handed. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, I mean when I say no, uh, I mean it's not common. Yeah. 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 All right.
1: I say you something. I know Uh-oh. you have some topics you want to discuss today. I have just Fine. a funny one, a quick one. You can do a funny we can one. Start off with. This is a this is a link to a, a piece in the Daily Mail. Do you have that?
0: Uh, yes, I see the word Lululemon in this piece, which frightens me. right So, about, for oh, right anyone away. who doesn't know,
1: <laughs> Lululemon is a corporation that makes that charges like ex, an exorbitant amount of money for yoga clothes, and they market themselves primarily to woke white women. And <laughs> this is their new advertising campaign. Scroll up so people can see the image. It says. I don't see an image. Decolonizing gender. Oh, it's not coming through.
0: Uh-huh. Hold on, I'll send you a screenshot the picture. Hold on. Let me I'll reload. So it. on
1: their on their yeah. Instagram, they posted this picture.
0: Oh, here we go. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Decolonizing okay. gender. <laughs> resist capitalism. <laughs> a
1: workshop. Yeah, a workshop to unveil historical erasure and resist. Capitalism. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I actually think they, I, I, this will be out, uh, there's there, this conversation a little bit deeper because I, I had a conversation about this with, um, uh, Michael Rechtenwald the other day, but, uh, there's a, uh, we've conflated the word capitalist and capitalism in a way that, uh, I don't think a lot of people realize these companies are, there's a difference between being a capitalist, as in I support free markets and individual rights, and being a capitalist in the sense of I'm very good at producing wealth in the current system and exploiting the current system to become wealthy. They can be the same thing. You can be both. But you also don't have to be both. These companies aren't capitalist companies. <laughs> they are very good at creating wealth in the existing system and aren't necessarily big on the idea of free markets all the time. Sometimes they like their dominant position, and it turns out the way things are is pretty good for them, so let's not rock the boat too much. And actually, if fracturing the population into different um, different, uh, if identity groups helps us sell more yoga pants for 128 bucks, then woohoo, we're all about it. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't understand are you trying Lululemon anyway, though. Us
1: understand, are you trying to help us understand why a corporation, which is very successful and makes a lot of money off of exorbitantly priced yoga clothes, would
0: tell people that they need to resist capitalism? Yeah, because they're, they're not necessarily <laughs> that, yeah. capitalist in the ideological sense. They are okay. capitalist. That's why I'm saying there's two definite... Like, we use the word capitalist. In fact, someone in chat just said, uh, a corporation talking about resisting capitalism? yes. Yes, corporations can thrive under fascism, for example. Like, corporations don't require capitalism. They require a little bit of of freedom to make products, and they require money exchange, but they don't require, ideologically, they don't require capitalism to exist. And so... But not they all,
1: certainly used it to get where they are.
0: No, but. they might have. They no. might have, like, it depends on what your definition of capitalism is. But if you just generally think of capitalism as free markets and individual property, certainly they need some variant of that in order to succeed. But they don't need, actual, like, deep, deep capitalism. Fascism has companies. Like, straight up fascism has companies that right, make money. That's not capitalism.
1: Lulu Lululemon. But Lululemon didn't rise under fascism. Of course. Fascism. They
0: rose under, That's yes, of course. That's my point. But they, I mean, they like rose under a mis- mixed economy, but it doesn't mean that they are ideologically pro-capitalist. It just means they, they're good at exploiting this system, and they're happy if you resist it, if they're happy to push push resisting pure capitalism, because at this point, maybe they just don't care about it, right? It's not, maybe they could exist under fascism. They can be the one supplier of yoga pants, I don't know, right? That's how you, you get a monopoly through through mostly through government intervention monopolies don't usually arise in free markets they, they normally require government help so you know if it's harder for startups to make yoga pants and there's lots of yoga pants regulation and there's lots of different identity groups that each get their own set of yoga pants like oh maybe lululemon kind of likes this idea of a little bit of socialism thrown in there like hey hey let's have a little bit of fascism but, that's good but for us
2: after, after of course
0: of course after yeah but they're just pragmatists. I don't. They're not ideologically. I don't. I think they're just pragmatists. Right. Generally, I think they're all just pragmatists.
1: I don't even know if they put that much thought into it. I
0: right, because they're, they're just... pragmatists. They're just like, will we make money doing this? Yes. Okay. Done. Yeah. That that's their thought process.
1: <laughs> we'll make money, and we'll get woke, clueless people to support us by right. saying we're against capitalism.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can, yeah. Well, will virtue signaling people... be a good marketing move? Yes. Okay.
1: While we while we sell people 180 dollar yoga pants,
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> By the way, I just I you know okay. as a as a non yoga person, I just have a question generally. What the hell are yoga pants? How are they different from other stretchy pant things? Or is there a difference well, with yoga pants?
1: Harder, they not. No, they're not. It's just that you the people like it's it's that that whole keeping up with the Joneses. People just like to have. The, the name brand, whatever. They're not you, like can to find, or... okay. you can go to
2: Goodwill
1: and find... You can go to any thrift shop and find $8 pants that work well for yoga.
0: <laughs> yes, but then you're not resisting but, capitalism. You have to buy Lululemon <laughs> to resist <laughs> capitalism.
2: <laughs> That's so
0: ridiculous.
1: Anyway, that was kind of a funny one. Uh, all right. Tune in to our workshop on resisting capitalism. And by the way, here's our new $180 pair of pants
0: for doing <laughs> yoga. If you order okay. now, we'll throw in this knife stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, all right. right. Um, <laughs> let's. I, I just want to do a couple quick super chats. We'll do them quickly. Uh, okay. B. Allen, thank you. Gives us $9.11 because uh, today is 9-11, uh, which we will talk about in a moment. Um, thank you. Kento new for Chuck. Excellent. tie. Carter technique has improved. I have switched, because everyone complained about my tie technique, I have switched to the full Windsor knot, so stop whining. I don't put it up all the way, but I've switched to the full Windsor knot, so there you go. Uh, And I found a cool little YouTube video where the guy does it in a mirror so you can follow along instead of doing it facing you, where you can't tell what you're left from right if you're an idiot like me. Okay. Uh, Tomsky999, get fired, Carrie. Thank you, Tomsky. He doesn't mean get fired from a job you have. He means... I've fired, been fired, fired before. I assume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is not surprising. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have
1: a problem with authority. And also, some people, believe it or not, in Woke Austin, have a problem if you don't vote for Beto. huh.
2: <laughs> uh.
0: Well, all right. Uh, Battle Nome 23, who the F is saying Trump and everything he does is great. Every Trump supporter always qualifies with, sure, Trump has his faults, but yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. Um,
1: most do. I mean, not, I'm, I'm sh- absolutely, there, there are people who are gung-ho Trump who don't, but but on the most part, when I've met Trump voters, like you said, they're pretty fair. And they admit to him – I even talked to – I met some new Trump people this past week and um, new, as in I had just met them. Hmm. And they were telling me about and, – and they qualified it as people often do with, you know, they think he's a bull in a china shop and all that stuff. And they think – they wish he didn't tweet as much and, you know. But – and they have very good reasons for voting for him.
0: Yeah. So. I, guess, I guess what I was thinking of – I do know some Trump people who are just like – Everything the man does is perfect. His tweets are perfect. It's like, all right, you know, let's, but, but I get that. Um, can Carrie, I, can, can we can just, I say yeah, really,
1: wait, yeah. real quick. Yeah. Um, I did see more Trump stuff than I've seen before. I'm used to being again in, as you are Carter in a very woke area. And, you know, I was in LA for 15 years and then I was in Austin. And now, even though I'm outside of Austin, it's still pretty woke. Um, and so to be in a place where there were lots of people unafraid to wear Trump stuff was different. And the, some of the funniest Trump stuff I saw was sort of that, that thumbing their nose at PC-ness, um, Mm. that is, is just kind of funny. Even if I wouldn't buy that, I think it's really funny. Like, for example, I saw a family and they were wearing trucker hats They were wearing red hats that said. Reelect that mf'er. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say the word, but it said it on the hat. re-elect that mf'er, and then uh, and then I also saw a flag on a boat, and the flag said Trump 2020. I'm not going to say the word, but it said Trump 2020. F your feelings.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that that captures the sentiment of a lot of Trump voters. I think. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it was pretty funny. You're know. not going to see that kind of passion for Biden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Actually, you know what that's interesting? I'm so where I am, just to be clear, you would never put a Trump sign in fr- in your front yard. Y- you would your house would get burned down and your family would be executed. Like you would never ever do that no matter how much you like Trump. Uh just wouldn't happen where I live. Um and in the past, I noticed this the other day driving around In 2016, there were Hillary Clinton signs all over the place. This year, there's like two Biden signs. There's not a lot of Biden signs. So that's really interesting to me.
1: It's very telling. Yes. I I saw Clinton signs too, and I do not see Biden signs. And I saw Mm -hmm. Beto signs everywhere, and I don't see Biden signs. Yep. Very many of them. Yep. Yep. It's very interesting. Yet, at the same time, they're telling us, they're trying to get us to believe. I was listening to some uh, news, news stuff while driving, and it was all about the polls and how Biden is so far ahead. Hold on. I have to mute this for a second. It's
0: all right. Tiger has a some commentary.
1: Yeah, well, there's somebody here. Hold on, Carter.
0: Oh, okay. You read some super chats. I'll read some super chats. Good idea. All right. Christopher Robin. Thank you, Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin says... Happy Friday. Uh, I think with Trump's OMB memo, memo, we are now in a new philosophical era of post-critical theory. Welcome to post-critique. I hope we are, but I don't know. I mean, it is is—it is probably the, one of the best things he's done in his presidency, that's for sure, and I think it will have an effect. Let's hope that that kind of stuff continues. The left is not going to go down without a fight, though. But yeah, thank you, Christopher Robin. Uh, Bohica, B O H I C A. It looks like maybe even an acronym. Thank you. Uh, says noticed today's Bahrain peace agreement. I have not. Viva Trump. It says, I have not noticed it. I did. Uh, I did know he was working on one, but I, I, didn't, I haven't seen it yet. So <laughs> that would be. If He could he could get peace in the Middle East and the left would still hate him and call him a warmonger. Okay. Uh, the LFR report. Thank you for the LFR report. Uh, says, I have some new ties. I would like to donate to Carter. Where can I send them? Thanks for all the great work. Well, Carter might accept some new ties. Um, send an email. Ninja will make sure you have our email address and, uh, and we'll get you a physical address. Thank you. So let's see. Oh, Carrie's back but she's typing. Okay. Gary, you back? You ready for chatting?
1: Yeah, but I might have to mute myself again. There's somebody here to fix a light bulb or something. Uh, I saw, I just saw somebody in chat said that they have seen a few Biden's bumper stickers, but usually on cars with solo drivers who are wearing masks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're going to be voting by mail. That's for sure. So uh. I feel like we interrupted you on uh, the beginning of the tear, oh, but maybe not. I
1: just heard. I just heard that they're trying. They're pushing these polls and saying that he's doing so well and that Trump's so far behind. And I don't care what your opinion is on who you want to win. Didn't we learn a lesson from two thousand sixteen? I think it's kind of weird now, knowing what happened in two thousand sixteen and the polls that they were showing us then. Now I look at these polls and I'm like, why are they pushing this so hard? It's weird.
0: Yeah, I, the other thing they're doing is they're they're preparing us for... So I I think that you can just kind of tell what the Democratic pla- uh, Party's plans are by watching what they're preparing us for in terms of accusing Trump. So they're like, he's not going to accept the results of the election. They're pulling that crap again. He's not going to accept the results. What do we do when he doesn't step down? Blah, 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 blah. I, okay, so you're not going to accept the results of the election. Are, is that what we're gearing up for? You guys are going to not be on board is that that's what's happening are you saying yes and and
1: that's interesting i'm saying yes because they're projecting because Mm -hmm. they've hillary clinton i don't know if people saw this hillary clinton just said in an interview she said that biden should not uh what's the word uh concede Concede, he should not concede under any circumstances right she said this right while at the same time they're they're printing alarmist Propaganda telling us that what if Trump decides not to concede? Oh, you mean like you're saying you're not going to do? That's crazy.
0: Right. You want us
1: to freak out about this scenario. Yes. But you're the one saying that you're not going to do it.
0: Right. They're all they're they're all about Trump is going to hack the election. Oh, so you're hacking the election. Trump isn't Trump is not going to concede. Oh, so you won't concede. That you can just take what they're saying is just they're just telling you their plans. Uh, and they assume that you're too dumb to recognize what they're doing but I, I really think that's all they're doing they're just telling you their their plans so
1: have you heard of this thing the uh, transition integrity project nope okay
0: Sh- should I have
1: we you might you might need to pull this up uh-uh. Th- this is allegedly formed by this woman Rosa Brooks um, who used to be an assistant at the Soros Foundation and uh, so she served as a counselor to the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. Um, she uh, da, 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 da. she's currently wait a minute. I want to I want to make sure I get this right. She served on the board of the Open Society Foundation, and she was also. She worked as special counsel to the president at the Open Society Institute, which is George Soros' philanthropic foundation. So she started this—supposedly she started this thing called the Transition Integrity Project. Yep. And the key people involved are this woman, Rosa Brooks, Michael Steele—do you remember him?
0: I see the wiki page now. I'm waiting for that third name, Carrie.
1: (laughs) And John Podesta. Okay, yep. remember him? Okay, so they basically, it's it's a, its a group. They say it's a bipartisan group. It's made up of over 100 current, I'm reading this from Wikipedia, 100 current and former senior government campaign leaders, academics, journalists, polling experts, and former federal and state government officials. So there's deep state people here, I'm sure. I'm going to use that term because I know yep, what yep, I mean when I term. say that. Um, and they formed this out of concern. Concern. <laughs> about potential disruptions to the 2020 United States presidential election and transition by the RNC. What are they, what are they presupposing in that sentence? Yeah,
2: obviously.
1: They're, they're presupposing that the RNC is going to have to do a transition, that they're going to have to concede. And they go through these four scenarios. They did a series. It said in the summer of 2020, the transition integrity project conducted a series of war gaming exercises. These are the four scenarios that they laid out that they can see happening. Do you want to read through these? I think I'm curious to see what your, your take sure. is on these.
0: Game one. I, they're called games. Okay. Game one. An ambitious win. or sorry. An ambiguous win. I can't read. By Biden. The first game investigated. Oh, they played some war games. Okay. Investigated a scenario in which the outcome of the election remained unclear from election night and throughout gameplay. Okay, so why is that an ambiguous went. win by Biden? Isn't that just an ambiguous win generally? If the they're outcome's unclear, why is it a Biden win? Okay.
1: Because because every scenario they have is pretty much a Biden win, except okay. for one. All
0: right. Well, let's look. So that's one. So the first one is right. it's ambiguous, therefore Biden. Two. <laughs> <laughs> clear Biden victory that's you can just rule that out that's not going to happen but okay it's the Trump campaign team attempt again attempted to federalize the National Guard to end for their vote counting what and called on supporters to turn out in large numbers the Biden campaign established a bipartisan transition team and mobilized supporters to ensure vote counting was completely thorough in this scenario, Biden won outright in the Electoral College and the popular vote. Oh, so they played war games and they had someone pretend to be they're on the Trump they're on the Trump campaign and they're gonna act in the way they think Trump would act, which they can't do because they don't understand yeah. him at all. Okay. They don't understand. This, this, uh, yeah, okay. So there's their Trump simulation is a, a bunch of Lincoln Project Republicans. Got it. Okay. Uh, game three. Clear Trump win. The third scenario posited a comfortable electoral college victory for President Trump, but also a significant popular vote win, 52, 47% for former President Biden. Okay, so there's a a scenario where he wins, I guess, in their minds. Game four, narrow Biden win. The final scenario explored a narrow Biden win where he leads with less than 1% of the popular vote the day after the election is predicted to win 278 electoral votes so three of these are biden victories i guess yeah, um
1: three outcomes are biden and one is Trump.
0: we assess there's no that ambiguous the president, trump man. yeah sorry i'm just looking is likely to contest the result by both legal and extra legal means in an attempt to hold on to power why, why do you assess that why well, i don't i they use this this language like we assess it makes it sound like this is some sort of scientific thing, and they've reached a conclusion, and th- they assess that he'll do this. This is just—we th- don't like this guy, and we think he's mean and nasty, and he's going to do things we don't like. I mean, I assess that uh, Hillary Clinton wouldn't, you know, concede. I mean, whatever. You can say the same thing. We, we we assess that the Democrats won't concede that Trump actually wins. All right. Well, thank you for that. That's— uh, Okay. Okay, but
1: if you read through their actual report, here's what's interesting. Yep. So, they, uh, among the findings we highlight in the report, number one, now this is what they're trying to get us used to. They're saying the concept of election night, they put that in quotes. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah, is no longer accurate and is indeed dangerous.
0: Mm. We
1: face a period of uh, contestation stretching from the first day a ballot is cast in mid-September until January of 2020. Basically, they're trying to get us used to the idea of not knowing who won because if it's not in their favor, if it's any of these scenarios like what the thing they call ambiguous Biden win, which is not a Biden win, or, or narrow Biden win, they want us to get used to the idea of letting them fight and drag it out and do whatever they need to do all the way up until January to tell us who really won. And they've gotten Facebook to say, am I right about this? Did you hear this?
0: I heard that. I did not confirm, but say it because I was going to mention it. So go ahead.
1: Yeah. That Facebook has said they will not declare or they will delete posts that declare our winner. Is that true? Until Biden
0: concedes, I heard. And I heard that they they wouldn't play a victory speech unless Biden had conceded either. I, yeah. I don't know that that's true. I don't know where that came from, but it fits with what I would expect from Facebook. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, I don't have details on this one either. I'm sorry, because I didn't realize we were going to talk about this in particular. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to just guess at things, but I, and, and I don't want to just throw rumors out. However, um, I was talking to someone the other day that was mentioning that um, there were some generals talking about... Make sure that you're there, like make sure that you go immediately after the election to make sure that Trump steps down. Like we we have to, you know, we need to mobilize the military in some way. I don't I don't know. I didn't look into the details of that, but supposedly that some kind of letter was leaked there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Beverly uh, says Tim Poole uh, talked about this. So I imagine he vetted it to an extent at least. OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Also, here's a headline. Reuters uh-huh. and Facebook join forces to deliver election night results. Oh, thank you, Facebook. <laughs> You've got my best interest in mind. Oh, good. Facebook and Reuters are partnering with the, with the national election pool to provide live U.S. presidential election night results to social media users on the platform. Um, it says, quote, this partnership will provide billions of Facebook users with fast, accurate, and trusted election day news. Why do just Reuters ask Twitter who won?
0: Uh, maybe Jack Dorsey should just mm-hmm. tell us who won. And we can we can just be done with it. We can just ask.
1: It's it's all very concerning. Well, I, I have to give credit to where I heard about uh, somebody, like you said, said that Tim Poole discussed this. I hadn't heard his video about it yet, but I did listen to a Bannon, part of a Bannon War Room podcast where they were discussing this. The this uh, transition integrity project, and if you guys haven't read about it, I encourage you to go read it. And it's pretty concerning because I think it, I think it, it hints at them being willing to do anything to get him in there, to get Biden in there.
0: Yep. No matter and what in, happens. Yeah, and in terms of spinning a narrative, by the way, I don't know if you saw this kind of. I mean, this is just another example of many that's happening. Oh. Russia, China, and Iran are trying to hack the 2020 election, Microsoft says. So Microsoft is just trying to remain relevant, by the way, just just so, you know, like, no one remembers that they exist. So, okay. Hey, we have something to say about the election. Now, I guess they must be afraid of their competitors, uh, because they, they should be mentioning that Google and Facebook are trying to hack the election. But no. Uh, yeah, they're... A Russian military hacking group that was caught meddling in the presidential race, twenty sixteen presidential race, has shifted tactics ahead of November, Microsoft said Thursday. So again, I'm you know this isn't even worth reading, but the, it, their their idea of hacking the election is like literally hacking organizations and stealing their data, like they did to the DNC. I, is that hacking the election? I don't know. It is hacking, uh, and and having basically. Bot Farms is hacking the election, I guess, because it's, uh, what, disingenuous marketing? I don't know what it is. So, but, right. uh, well, yeah, they're using this language, hacking the election. They're trying to set us up for, like, here's what's going to happen, really. And this is, the, this is the scenario that wasn't in that list. Trump will win by a not clear margin, like, not a margin that's not so clear that everyone has to concede it. Probably. He'll win a little bit. And the left will say, oh, the election was hacked. We need to investigate. We can't declare victory yet because blah, 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 blah. Yes. And we have the Russians and the Iranians and the Chinese and maybe there was some election fraud and blah blah, 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 And hey, the military better mobilize and you better step down in the meantime, Trump. And we'll put Nancy Pelosi in charge while we're figuring it out. How's that? Like they're going to try everything they can to undermine uh, this election, and they're just setting us yeah. up right now for this. They're setting us up for so that we're not shocked by all the stuff that they're gonna say right after November fourth or whenever the election is.
1: Yeah, and and look at how nefarious this is. They set up, they set up this thing called the Transition Integrity Project, and they say it's like 200 experts, and we're bipartisan. You can trust us, and we've run these scenarios of what we think is gonna happen, and there's four of them, and. The only one in which Trump wins is a clear, decisive Trump win. But the others are all ambiguous right. Biden wins. There's right. no ambiguous Trump win. There's no way that Trump wins unless it's clear and decisive, and they can't finagle it the way they want. And so they have this. They're preparing us to get used to the idea that we won't know who the winner is on election night. That we have to wait till January. And there was a there was a a, a guy. I forget his name, but there was an expert they had on. Um, Uh, on the Bannon podcast I was listening to where he was comparing this to the ways in which elections are um, election results are overthrown in other countries and the Mm. ways in which the U S sometimes destabilizes elections in other countries to go the way we want. And so people look this up. If you haven't read about this before, I looked it up. It's this thing called uh, the orange revolution. This is what happened in Ukraine.
0: Oh, and there's a lot of color revolutions. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of color revolutions, but it talks about the orange revolution. But a lot of the a lot of the factors that go into these, um, I guess you would say, contested elections, but it's, it's more than contested. It's basically elections that they've tried to delegitimize. Oh, okay. We see a lot of those same things happening here. So in advance of the election, they're telling us that the other side is not gonna concede and we need to be very worried and the other side's gonna cheat and the other side's gonna do all the things that they're get preparing us for preparing us for them to do. Yes. And they're, and then they're also saying the political unrest, the chaos in the streets, I mean, that you saw that in the Ukraine. They're telling us, Kamala Harris said, it's not gonna end. The chaos, right. the rioting, the stuff that right. you see going on that That's they're right. calling peaceful protests. She's like, it's not gonna end. All the same ingredients are being put into this salad.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. And
1: <laughs> kinda of concerning. Yeah, I've I've heard, heard I've heard parallels drawn between
0: between the Ukraine and and what's going on here. I don't know the Ukraine stuff very well. It sounds like you learned a little bit about it there, but I don't I don't know. I don't know the details, but I have heard people say very similar stuff has happened in the Ukraine where they there was this similar unrest, similar delegitimizing of elections. And I agree. That's what we're. That's totally what we're seeing. So, um, yeah. Just when you're reading, I know some people still read the mainstream media. Sometimes I do. (laughs) When you're looking at it, like, think to yourself. Don't think to yourself like, oh, this is a story that's legitimate. Think to yourself like, why are they make? Why do they want me to see? Like, what are they preparing me for for, with the election? Like, what are they prepping for? What do they want to be normalized? Oh. They want it because what's going to happen if Trump does the, the, if it's ambiguous in any way and it's a little Trump victory, let's just assume that's a scenario, right? If it's a little Trump victory, it's slightly ambiguous. They will point, they'll say, Oh, that's scenario one under our simulation, the ambiguous scenario. Yeah. Which which is ambiguously Biden, by the way, right? Yes. So, like, oh, that's scenario one. This is what's happening. Biden won, and like, yeah.
1: Because there's no ambiguous
0: Trump scenario, so of course not. Because ambiguity means he lost. Because Marasha. Yeah.
1: Anyway, by the way, this is way. some interesting stuff.
0: Oh wait, maybe maybe before I go on, we should quickly catch up on a couple. There might be a couple super chats that we're missing. Um, okay. Let's see that, Mr. Biggles, Thank you, Mr. Biggles. Mr. Beagles says, interested. What would a small government look like? How many individuals or small groups of people? How would individuals or small groups of people be prevented from taking over cities or even states and ruling all over the other people there? I'm sorry, that's a way too long question to answer on a coffee break. But a small government would generally look like the government that the United States was when it started. Um, That that was a pretty small government. Uh, And individuals or small groups of people... Are, they have taken over cities and states and ruling them. That's that's what's happening. That's where we are. So that wouldn't look much different. Um, a small government. Again, I'm I'm actually <laughs> a zero government kind of guy, but a small government is a government that only the kind of classical libertarian is only only focuses on uh, responding to the initiations of the use of force, preventing people from initiating the use of force against each other they resolve conflicts with uh like legal contracts and they provide for defense like militarily defense that's that's all those are the only things a small government would would do normally so uh small government doesn't mean uh there's three people small government means the scope of the government is very limited and if you had massive roaming gang roving gangs i guess you would need a larger police force to make sure those gangs didn't murder and and Take over cities but it would still be a small government um and again i'm not i'm not a libertarian but that's the libertarian idea um okay mr biggles oh that was mr biggles all right that was our divinity guy i love his logo i really i don't know the divinity logo is just so cool uh tatiana fisk thank you tatiana fisk uh she gives us a red heart Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you. Hi, Tatiana. All right. Is the next one Colin?
0: Possibly. Go ahead and read it because I'm scrolling.
1: Colin McDonald. Thank you, Colin. He says, may I request that we share any success stories on pushing back while at work? On the Casey Peterson case, I would go for CRT is founded on political theory. Most government orgs are meant to be impartial. yes. Uh, and, and we have shared some stories. Uh, mostly the ones we've shared are from small business owners.
2: Mm-hmm. Not
1: We haven't shared as many from people who push back at their place of employment. Um, but I think for me, it makes sense if you work at a place that if you're like the, in, the city employees in Seattle, for example, who this indoctrination is being forced on them. Or if you're at Sandia Labs like Casey Peterson, if you're at a place where the government is funding it, if you're at a public school – I would start pushing back now, because we've the the precedent's already been set for you. You can see how Casey Peterson is doing it, and frankly, like government funds should not be going to racism, to indoctrination, or as 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 Colin points out, to political theory. Yep. And so if you go to um go to Casey Peterson's website, he has sample letters. He has sample material to help you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's done a good job of that. All right. uh, Tatiana Fisk. Thank you, Tatiana. She says, my husband is taking three days off after voting. He feels that there is likely to be mass rioting and wants to be with me and the kids just in case. Interestingly enough, Tatiana, I had a friend from... So everyone. I think I've mentioned before I live in the Bay Area in California. I have a friend who is in a much safer place, shall we say, uh, who has said... I think you should come out here for the two weeks around the election and live here Um, because she's also worried uh, about unrest and stuff. Uh, I don't think that's an irrational fear. And
1: it's not irrational. That's what we saw happen. Okay. So it was bad in 2016. It's going to be worse this time around because all they've done is they've They've thrown red meat to the, tri- the people in their tribe, the woke tribe. They've, they've doubled down. They've, uh, they've spun this false narrative. The people who are in that cult, who are in that little echo chamber, who still believe all that crap that I used to believe, they don't hear. They don't interact with any outside voices. They don't hear differing opinions. That's why they were, That's why I was so shocked in 2016 that he won. The people who haven't left the cult, it's even worse for them now. And the, the their version of reality is so warped. They think everyone hates Trump. They think he's a bumbling idiot. They think he's evil. They think he's Hitler. They believe all these things.
0: They think and they his don't racism has any... been proven now. Right? Yes. Not just alleged. They, and they now don't, think they, it's definite. Yeah.
1: They think walk away. They think I'm a Russian bot. They think we're Russian bots. Anybody who left the party. They don't believe it. They don't believe that there's been a groundswell of people leaving which there has been, they don't believe the, uh, poll numbers among black Americans, which are crazy high for a Republican, the crazy high for Trump right now for a Republican.
0: Yep. They're
1: going to be so those people are just not, they're not going to be stable when, if he wins, which I think he will, if, if it's not rigged, like if this transition integrity project or whatever doesn't get their way. Um, And so like I had one of my walkaway friends, a person who is on the progressive left who also opened her eyes like I did. She told me her story. We traded stories once about what happened. Her story happened after the election because she was in L.A. and she saw chaos and madness in the streets.
2: Mm, Right.
1: And it woke her up. Well, that chaos and madness is going to be double this time because look at what we've normalized in the four years since then. It's become normalized. Remember when Berkeley happened at the Milo show and your friend was attacked and yep. Carter and that we tried to say back then, this is going to leave the colleges at some point. And everyone's like, oh, you're making a mountain out of molehill. Anybody who's speaking <laughs> against this is making a mountain out of molehill. It's just a college. Look what's happened. No, it's unfolded. Everything, pe- The pe- those of us who are warning about this predicted has been happening. That kind of violence, the r- arson, rioting, attacking businesses It's now become normalized. It's happening in cities across America and we're cool with it. And our politicians and media are telling us it's not happening and are saying it's peaceful protesting. So that's become normalized. So just imagine what the chaos is going to – what the hashtag resist, quote resist. I put that in italics because it's not – they're not resisting crap. They're out there rioting on behalf of the status quo, but that's going to be so much bigger now and so much more violent because we've gotten used to the violence and we've been told it's peaceful.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's only escalated. I mean, the Battle of Berkeley now looks like a peaceful time and and like, oh, that actually is a much more peaceful. I mean, still, my friend was, was hurt and, and so were other people. But like compared to what's happening now, well, no one got killed. So... I guess it was limited to a campus. No one got killed, and you know there was less damage to businesses and a smaller fire. So uh, things things have gotten things have gotten worse. And if and now there's been people killed in these riots. Of in course, awesome. and and if the mainstream media, if corporate media cared about preventing any of this, if they had a we'll just say a social conscious, they were like socially aware um what they would be spending this time doing is between when trump got elected and now they would be spending this time trying to calm people down like okay look actually he hasn't done you know you know we thought he was a racist we thought he was this he thought he was that he hasn't done anything like these are the things that we don't like that he's done but here's some things that he's done it's okay like let's calm down he's turns out he's not literally hitler uh it turned like just calm everyone down so that when he wins again, or if he wins again, they don't freak out again. But they've done the opposite. They've said, they, they've, they've been like, you were right. He is a crazy racist. He is literally Hitler. He is all these horrible things. And now everyone knows. And now we'll get rid of him. Now it's very obvious. Now, you know, don't worry. He's, his, his days are numbered. Uh, and so, and their echo chambers have just gotten a bigger echo so yeah, yeah i I don't think it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy it's not yeah it's not <laughs> it's not gonna be good it's not gonna be good uh all right let's do and i keep i keep wanting to do some move on from oh yeah shots, let's but, keep, so we
1: stay caught up let's do it let's yeah do i'm trying,
0: but i i just lost my place i'm sc- I'm scrolling oh no
1: i know here i will help you
0: twee girl i don't let's know see. i might have missed one but here's twee girl uh, she says, sexy Russian ba- Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: you know what you we... You know what, Tweet we... Girl? Go ahead.
1: I was actually thinking of what to do for Halloween this year. And thank you. That's a great idea. I might do that. I was trying to think of old groups. Does anybody like the band Alabama? It's like a pop country oh, yeah. group from I the like I like Alabama even. I love Alabama. Yeah. And they all had those big beards. And they just sang really positive music. Go back and listen to their songs now. It's like... You work a 40-hour week for a living. Like, all their lyrics are about, you know, hello, America. They're talking about the steel mill workers. Right. They're talk- It's just positive songs.
0: The 80s and, generally and was kind of more positive, can, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and you can also clog to their songs because they all usually speed them up at the end and get real fast with a fiddle.
0: Obviously, that's but, uh, why I, I like I'll it, eat. so I can clog to it. But everyone has their <laughs> own reasons.
1: Carter. Carter i was gonna say we should go as the band alabama carter but now maybe sexy russian bots
0: um <laughs> well hey, you know what, we were, right do, what we, we were gonna do from what we were gonna do uh yeah i got mandy's queued up here we were gonna what i what we wanted to do and actually this got disrupted partly because of covid and things got out of hand and we ended up not doing this but maybe we should have we wanted to sell those big furry russian hats that just said russian bot like like a Russian bot <laughs> hat uh, for the unsafe space audience, but we, we never too busy COVID stuff happened. Things fell apart. We never, we, you know, we can't really do it in time, but uh, yeah, that Russian bot will be good. Um, Mandy gives us uh five bucks and says for Carrie. And then she writes something in Russian that only Carrie can read. So I'll just leave it for Carrie to read.
1: Only I can read it. Cause <laughs> I'm Russian. <laughs> yes. No, not really. I don't know what you said, but thank you. <laughs>
0: <sighs> so Carrie, um, On a a more somber note, because I do want to bring it up, because today is 9-11, it's the 19th anniversary of 9-11, and uh, I I feel like I can't not mention it. Um, I'm I'm trying not to bring us down. Uh, I'll start with something light. (laughs) I saw the hashtag, all buildings matter, trending on Twitter, and stupid me, I was like, ah, I wonder if it's about Tower 7. Uh, No, it's not about Tower (laughs) 7. It's not about Tower Seven. I don't.
1: The, I don't know what that means. But
0: Tower Seven or All Buildings Matter. Uh, all,
1: I don't. I don't understand what either mean. But oh, okay. Well, Tower Seven is the tower, tower that seven. fell,
0: that didn't get hit by a plane at all, and like, and and, oh, was, okay. and it was excluded from the 9/11 Commission report. So Tower Seven's kind. Of, I saw All Buildings Matter. And I'm like, ooh, people are talking about conspiracy theories and like, you know, they're talking about Tower Seven. All Buildings Matter no um all buildings matter is a hashtag that is being used to um it's being used as a educational metaphor for those of us who aren't woke to explain to us that when you say all lives matter it's just like saying all buildings matter because on 9 11 the buildings fell obviously they were attacked buildings fell Uh, And if your response to 9-11 is all buildings matter, that's what it's like when you say all lives matter when someone says black lives matter. Now, (laughs) there are maybe some nuanced differences that we could discuss, but (laughs) that's the hashtag that's trending on Twitter right now. (laughs) It's disgusting. Yeah. Okay. So in a world, let, let me put it this way. If we lived in a world in which buildings were falling down in every city around the country uh, and you guys only wanted to talk about a subset of those buildings and were misrepresenting these statistics about how often those buildings fell and someone else responded with all buildings matter, that would be, that would be how that <laughs> metaphor would work. It doesn't apply to Black Lives Matter. It's not a, it's not a valid metaphor. It's not, a, it's not the same thing as All Lives Matter. Uh, but anyway, um, the, the, the main thing I want to bring up about 9-11 and I, we don't have to get into, I, I, we don't have to have a huge discussion, but what depresses me every 9-11 is not the deaths, although obviously tragic and that's depressing and, uh, and, and the media's treatment of this stuff is depressing. I mean, (laughs) someone shared the other day or was it yesterday, I think, um, yeah, someone someone showed me the New York Times tweet from last year, which was, 18 years have passed since airplanes took aim and brought down the World Trade Center. Today, families will once again gather and grieve at the site where more than 2,000 people died. So that was last year's tweet from New York Times. Two horrible things with that. One is they rounded down to the, the death, because I guess that's fun. And they also gave airplanes agency, which bothers me. This year, they're comparing it to... Uh, yeah, but coronavirus killed a lot more people. That's their their angle this year. Uh, <laughs> right. I my your their proper response to nine eleven is yeah, but heart disease kills more, Carrie. Uh, so I anyway, just,
2: I
1: can't. It I just know. makes me the reason I said to clarify the reason why I said this is disgusting because somebody said, well, they they laughed at that hashtag, and I can understand laughing at it too. It's absurd. But the reason I find it disgusting is because it just – it shows that there's no depth to their depravity of what Mm -hmm. they won't use. They will use anything. But we know this because they use the deaths of people like George Floyd. They exploit those deaths. So why wouldn't they exploit 9-11? Yep. But there's no depth. There's no bottom. There's no bottom there to how low they'll go.
0: Yep. A couple of people in chat are um, saying airplanes took aim. Yeah, that was what I meant by airplanes have agency. It's it's that kind of it's the same thing they do when there's like any kind of terrorist act by a group that they don't want to criticize. Instead of saying you know Muslim extremist does blah blah blah, they'll be like a truck hit people. It's like ah, uh, who was driving? Right. This is the same kind of like airplanes took aim magically by themselves. They just took aim. Right. Uh but. <sighs> the thing that depresses me about 911 every year when when is 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 who won right i mean and it's it's really bad now because the left doesn't even do what they used to do the aclu actually has like a great write up that they did about the patriot act way back a while ago um maybe before they were woke i don't know when they became woke and when this was written but um and I don't, I don't want to get into a bunch of conspiracy theories, but I I do want to say, just to ask the question, like, who benefited from 9-11? Who benefited? And it's pretty clear who benefited. It's authoritarians. Authoritarians benefited from 9-11. And if you just look at, you know, just look at the Patriot Act alone. I mean, there's been other stuff. We now have a TSA. We now have, uh, you know, Department of Homeland Security up in your business and whatever. But just... Just look at the Patriot Act and the increased, um, ability of the government to spy on you that happened. The Patriot, Act, by the way, was yeah. rushed to, uh, the Congress rushed to pass it six weeks after 9-11. Six weeks. They never do anything that quickly. Six weeks after 9-11, they rushed to pass this. And what they do? Well, it, this is according to this ACLU article, which is, it's pretty well researched and written, it looks like, because I verified some of the stuff, um, Section two, So it increases government's power to spy in four major ways. One, Section 215 of the Patriot Act allows the FBI to force anyone at all, including doctors, libraries, bookstores, universities, and Internet service providers, to turn over records on their clients or customers. So in the past, it was only common carriers um, and public accommodation facilities, that kind of stuff. Now it's everyone. Okay. Um, The government also no longer has to show evidence that um, the search orders are uh, for an agent of foreign power, which they used to do before. So now anyone can basically be searched. The FBI doesn't have to show reasonable suspicion that the records are related to criminal activity um, or even probable cause. That's out the window. They just need to make a broad assertion that's related to terrorism. Um, Judicial oversight is basically non-existent for these. Um, The government only needs a judge to certify. No need for evidence of proof they just need to say to the judge they want to do this surveillance orders can be based in part on a person's first amendment activities such as books they read websites they visit or letter to the editor they've written so wrong think that's that's cause right a person or organization is now first to ter- forced to turn over records prohibited they're prohibited from disclosing the search so if if a, comp- a company you do business to your doctor gets ordered to turn over records your doctor can't tell you that they were ordered to turn over records they're not allowed to um, so that's the that's the first thing that they did to expand the second thing secret searches they can now they don't have to tell you you they used to have to tell you that we've searched and got this information on you now they don't um, the third major way uh intelligence uh, intelligence searches it expanded the definition the narrow definition there was an uh, exception to the fourth amendment that uh, allowed them to collect foreign intelligence information now um the patriarch says as long as it <laughs> as long as the search has a significant purpose in its intelligence then then they can do it so it used to have to be foreign intelligence now a significant purpose okay and they also um there's also something called trap and trace searches uh, it expands another Fourth Amendment exception for spying that collects ad- addressing information about the origin destination of communication. So, look, we've got this. And that's just – those are just the, the few things that were in this one article about the Patriot Act with respect to surveillance. That's it. There's other stuff. We now have kids. We have got entire generations. Just think about what's been normalized for these generations because, you know, my daughter, like, asked the other day. She's like – can you explain 9-11? Because she kind of like knew about it a little bit. And it, I was like, oh, yeah, this like, predates you by a, a, a lot. I didn't, you know, as an old guy, I'm like, everyone knows 9-11. Um, think, about, think about the environment these kids are growing up in, Carrie. Uh, getting patted down by the TSA, normalized. The government has the right to pat you down and check, check you for whatever, whenever they want, basically, if you're going somewhere um there's no expectation for privacy at all right they they can you're just supposed to let go of that um there's uh there's this idea that your rights can just be suspended because of terror well it might be terrorism so there we go um there's the whole see something say something thing which you know everyone's become an agent of the state they're build they're building a stasi army basically right and i know so so like all the stuff is normal for kids right for yeah please please yeah let me yeah.
1: What you're talking about, I hadn't considered before about what's been normalized since 9-11 for kids until you mentioned it. Because you're right. I was taken aback it that it's 19 years ago. It's, I feel so right. old. Right. Uh, I was like, really? It's been that long? Yeah, I feel but, like that <laughs> um, But that's what I think about. I do think about that a lot in regards to the the lockdown stuff. I think about kids who – I see kids yes. out wearing masks, and I'm like, they're used to this. They think this is normal yep. for the government to tell you, you have to wear this thing. Yep. Or for the government to tell their parents that they can't go to work, and they need to sit at home and wait for a check from the government, and yep. what is that doing to our psyche collectively?
0: Yep. What is well, you. Doing s- to kids. Yeah. So, no, you're you're totally right. And and with the 9-11 stuff, you see it in. Uh, uh, remember, we talked about the safe to safe to tell. Uh, thing in Colorado which is actually rolled out it's it's, it's in other schools right? but we talked about the one in Colorado we had a guest on the show um, Harrison um, who was a high school student right but it's that mentality is um, that mentality is spread everywhere and kids are kind of it's normalized it's this normalized authoritarian like well you can call and, and snitch on someone and an authority figure will be there and uh, your snitching will be taken seriously, and that person really doesn't have rights with respect to um, being innocent until proven guilty. There's not really privacy rights. There's kind of an expectation of that you'll be a good you'll be a good snitch, and and your job is to snitch for the government. Um, well, and, and
1: that's happened in, real, real quick. That's happened in um, outside of schools. I have a friend who just shared a post th- this morning. I was reading it about in in his town. They've given a number, a phone number for people to call, for citizens to call and report any individuals who are not wearing a mask.
0: Well, remember New York did that.
1: Yeah, but this is in a small town in the South. <laughs> yeah, and, and it goes to, and it go, and then get this: somebody was mocking it on the local page and saying, "Well, we're going to call with prank calls and stuff." Right. And the city responded and said, "Don't do that. It's the same number as it goes to the nine one one people. It's like." You you have a phone number that is burdening your 911 responders with calls of somebody not wearing a mask? Yep. And they said, "Yeah, it's also the same number that uh to to request mask if you need mask." Really? You're burdening your 911 responders with phone calls for I need some mask and also my neighbor doesn't wear one. <laughs> But, right. but I'm sorry to get off-subject, but that was— No, it's not off-subject.
0: It's the same—you're right. And that's
1: getting—that's normalizing that as, like, oh, yes. call and report. Oh, Dad dad called and reported the neighbor today. Why? Because he was outside gardening, not wearing his mask. You know, yep. like—
0: <laughs> Yep. No, I, it's not off-subject. It's exactly on-subject. And it's the thing that depresses me about the 9-11 the most, which is how much we have changed as a— I mean, look, the terrorists won. They won, by far. Like, the thing that makes the U.S. great is not that we had any particular buildings or whatever. It's, I mean, it it's that we had liberty. <laughs> like, it's, that's what made us special. They took it away. They took it away. And it actually wasn't the terrorists or whomever, if you're into conspiracy theories. It was, it was the authoritarians here that took it away. And we've created a culture where this is all normalized. Kids are growing up in this. It's, it's unfathomable. I used to carry this little pocket knife. I used to carry this. It's, you know, not that long. I used to carry this onto planes all the time because it was just a pocket knife and it was allowed on planes. I'm going to call and report you. Hold on. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, now you, I mean, the idea that I could walk into an airport with that is, it seems like it's absolutely insane to kids now. Oh my God, you are allowed in an airport with that. It's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Of course, of course I was allowed in the airport. Like, the mentality has shifted to, like, we are farm animals. The farmer let you do that. that menta- that's the mentality now. And I know that some people on the right supported the Patriot Act, probably through misguided ideas of patriotism and whatever. They named it the Patriot Act, just so you would like it. Uh, and um, but, you know, when we talk about the left wanting to be authoritarians, When the left gets power, if they get power, I mean, they have cultural power, but if they get political power, this entire apparatus that you guys have built, and I'm talking to the people on the right who support this kind of crap in the name of the war on terror, which is the war on a abstract concept, by the way, so it will never end. uh, All you people who supported this, you've built the apparatus that the Marxists will use to control us all. Thank you very much. Thank you for building all of the tools that every authoritarian wannabe dictator is salivating over. Now the fight over the gun in the room is way more important because that gun in the room, the metaphorical gun in the room is way more powerful. It's got its hands in everything. Everything. We are completely set up. And by the way, I think the right is like many people on the right already think it's fine to invade privacy and do all this stuff. So I'm not saying that they're always great on these topics but look if you're if you're afraid of authoritarianism uh we have all the apparatus necessary for it it's it's totally been built we already are doing it. i mean the fbi and nsa get caught all the time we just ignore it but can you imagine what this is going to be like when the when the radical left takes over i mean
1: well we've already seen we've already seen what it's like to an extent because we saw what obama's justice department was doing they were Justifying wiretapping. Yes. Up, uh, the opposing political candidate. They they wiretapped Trump when he was a candidate from the opposing party, and they justified that. And we've already seen what they'll do. They will abuse the people will abuse the power. It doesn't matter if they're right or left. I mean, I they're think not even radical left. Back. Yeah, we need to get back to principles because. If you are against authoritarianism, you're against it whether whether the particular policy is coming from the right or the left. I opposed the Patriot Act. And yes, I was I was squarely an SJW at the time and I was a progressive and uh, I didn't realize I was I was supporting an authoritarian leftist ideology, um, which is probably part of the reason why I left is once I realized what it was, you know, but but I was on the left and I opposed it and I still oppose it. And it wouldn't have mattered if it came from the right or left. I, I, you know, it's about principles. I think people just get into this tribal mentality of they justify it if it's their party doing it um, or putting it for or if it's reasons that they agree with, but they don't think beyond that. They don't think long term down the road. Well, how might this be abuse for other reasons that I don't agree with?
0: Right, right, right. If they had named it the Hate Speech Act, the left would love it and the right would hate it but it could have the exact same text basically, <laughs> right? Like, you know, replace terrorism with hate speech and, or, or whatever, or hate. Um, right. Yeah. I. That's what depresses me. It's, it's that, it's that, you know, in our choice between liberty and security, we've basically chosen security, which by the way, isn't security in the long run anyway, because uh, if you say, Uh, strip me of all my agency and lock me in a padded room because I want to be secure. You're actually not secure. You're, you're just, uh, your life is now in the complete control of the whims of whoever is the farmer or in that analogy, it's not a farmer in the, the, the cell guard, right? I mean, yeah, you can be secure locked in a cell, but you're also completely at the mercy of whoever's running the prison. And that's what we've decided as a society. That's where we are. And, and, that's, and we're growing up teaching our kids that, you know, I, I look at this, Carrie, and I don't, you know, we talked about China the other day uh, in our, our Jack Posobiec interview. If people haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, and there are significant differences, obviously, between the Chinese government and the U.S. government. I mean, the, the Uyghurs is an example. And like, the, you know, there's, I'm, I'm not trying to equate them. But as an average citizen in Shenzhen or in Silicon Valley, two places that i've frequented it's not really much different i mean yeah i i'm under constant surveillance in china and i'm under constant surveillance here if i want to be and you know or if they, if they want to uh don't really have if they want to you know yeah yeah maybe they're they're a little bit more subtle about it but like the apparatus is there and the attitude that it's the government's right to do all this is pre- is in both spots in fact uh it might actually be more resented in China than it is here. Um, like, at least they don't like it. We're kind of like, shall I put on a mask for you? Hmm. <laughs> what else can I do? Let me lick your boots. Yeah. I okay. Dance, dance, puppet, dance. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't. Know, I don't know. Let's do some um, super chats. Sorry, unless you some. have a. I don't want to. No, go ahead. Okay.
1: As you're pulling up. As you're scrolling, I'm just going to, speaking of dance, puppet dance. Hey. I was in a couple of. Oh, sorry. Did you find one?
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I was in a couple of shops um, and uh, over the, this past week.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh wait, no, let's, let's do this instead. So okay. I don't know. It, other Democrats, other liberals are getting text messages right now. Like I am. I've heard from friends who are. People who've walked away. I'm okay. still on all the democratic lists. Right. Yeah. And so I got I got two texts from moveon.org recently. And I I always reply to them. <laughs> and and the last one I got was a few days ago. And they were like, We're taking you off the list. I'm like, okay. Uh this one's from the Democrats. While we were talking, guys, I got a text that says, Hi, I'm Rose, volunteering with the Democrats. Is this Carrie? And I said, Hi, Rose. Yes, this is me. And so she just responded and said, Great. We're less than sixty days away from the election. Can we count on your support for Joe Biden and the Democrats? What should I say? No.
0: <laughs> I, you could. <laughs> but that would be foolish. Uh I'm no, you should say out. you should say, I'm part of walk away. It's a real movement, and yeah. you should rethink your uh now it doesn't matter. Rose doesn't care. I don't know.
1: I was gonna ask Rose, what's Biden's stance on the government funds being used to teach critical race theory. Actually, you could and, say
0: yes. I also love locking black people up. I'm with you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, federal funds to okay. Go ahead. Read the. I love.
0: Piece. I love racism, Rose. Thanks for bringing it back. Make racism Just great like again. Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> okay. B B says, uh, "Thank you." B B says, "Advice for talking to people of color, friends indoctrinated in woke ideology." The convo typically ends in me agreeing, in fear of appearing racist or insensitive. Oh, I have. Go
1: I, have ahead. Like, I Let me answer this one. Yeah. Because I do. Th- I do this a lot. Yeah. Or I engage with wokeness a lot, as you know. And I'd be. You have to get rid of that idea. Who's that? B. Yeah. B. This idea that you have, this fear of being seen as racist, is something that the racists have implanted in your head. You know what you are, and what they're trying to do is get you to um, have a little internal sensor in your head, a little SJW that tells you that you have to treat people differently on the basis of race, and that you can't disagree with them if they're this race, but you can if they're that race, and they do the same thing with sex. They say you can't disagree with women, but you can with men, and da-da-da-da-da-da. They're trying to make you doubt yourself. And when I first started leaving this ideology, I did, I did doubt myself. And when I disagreed with people who were in my SJW cult, it was easier for me to do it with white people at first than with people of color, because I still had that SJW censor in my head. That was like, must not disagree with black person. If you are treating your friend who's not white as an, as an equal with respect, then you're going to treat them the same way you would a white person you disagree with. You're not going to, you're not going to be afraid of like, like it is more respectful to treat your friend as an equal and say, that's an awful idea. I'm going to be honest with you because I respect you. I think that's an awful idea. I think this ideology is awful or whatever your opinion is. Um, it doesn't mean be a jerk. It just means don't let the race of the person uh, change the way you're treating them because, because they've now gotten you to behave in a racist way. And, and I saw, I was watching a good, um, you guys know the, uh, Glenn Lowry does, has been doing these podcasts with, um, John McWhorter and, uh, by my fella and I were watching part of one in the car the other day and they were talking about the 1619 project
2: mm. and they
1: were criticizing it and talking about the problems with it. And I'm just gonna do a shameless plug here. If you guys haven't seen it. You should go back and watch our interview with Professor William Allen about that. It was really good um yep. he was he was amazing, but anyway in this in this episode, Glenn Lowry and John McWhorter, are two black men on the left disagreeing with the sixteen nineteen project, calling it out for being inaccurate and at one point, Glenn Lowry asks John, he says, "You know, I get a lot of emails from white people who are basically like, "What do you think about this? What do you think about this almost almost as if they want." to use, they want us to give them permission to be against it. Like, look, Mm -hmm. there's these black guys who are against this too. Um, Don't be that white person. You don't need a black person to give you permission to have an opinion. It wouldn't matter if, if there were no black people who agreed with you. (laughs) Like if you're solid in your argumentation and your opinions, you don't need to couch them in. Well, this person of the, you know, that's their game. Their game is racism. Their game is identity politics. Their game is sexism. Their game is your opinion and your arguments don't matter. Only your race and sex matter. Well, that's BS. So don't let them plant that censor in your head. I know I understand why it's there. It was in my head. I was in the cult for 20 years. But you have to start like getting rid of that and just treat people as individuals. And so if I'm treating you as an individual and you're woke, it doesn't matter to me if you're white or black. Like, I think your idea, I think your idea, because I'm not talking about your race. I'm talking about your ideology. Your ideology is X, Y, Z. You can give me all the anecdotal evidence you want as a black person, as a woman, as a, okay, I'm not discounting your personal experience. I'm discounting your belief system that tells you and tells me that we should all treat people differently on the basis of race and sex I don't think that's morally good I don't think that's a a good sound philosophy I think it's racist and sexist. so that's a long answer but
0: I totally agree yep totally agree okay America first thank you America first you two are great keep up the good work Uh, we will thank you with more super chats (laughs) we keep up the good work you're helping thank you Uh, let's see Next one is t.m. stani twenty three uh the lo- thank you. The loyalists who were later thrown into the gulags blamed everything else but the party. They were subjected to the same tortures. perfect example of how ideology can blind you to all rationality. It is an excellent example. um yeah, they yeah they <laughs> they, they, they blame themselves. Not you know it's that scene from um, remember the scene from 1984 where Winston Smith's neighbor gets uh, thrown into uh, prison and, and with Winston Smith and his neighbor is like my kid reported me they were right to report me I'm so I didn't know I was so bad I guess I'm really like that's the indoctrination I didn't know I was so bad I didn't know I was wrong I'm a criminal I didn't know blah, blah, blah. cure me it's it's that kind of uh it's that kind of a mentality, which is, frankly, uh, that has destroyed your humanity. I mean, you're just not even human anymore. You have, your a, self-esteem is so destroyed that— Because
1: you, it's—
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry I'm interrupting you. No, no, it's no, just, it's fine. Go you ahead. made me think—because it, it's, it's a cult— Yes. And you've accepted the indoctrination, and that that is based on that really happened, where people, kids, were reporting their reporting their parents who were thrown into gulags, and their parents still spoke the Marxist ideology in the gulag, and were like, "Thank God my kid reported me. Right. I must have been in the wrong." I
2: didn't I mean, realize. You can
1: see this. I didn't realize, and and, and this is a human thing. I, I I, I, I think women women are more interested in true crime because women are, on average, they self-report that they're more interested in people, right? I'm very interested in true crime because I'm interested in figuring out what makes people think. And the mind is amazing. The mind, the way that you can lie to yourself, that you can uh, group manipulation, um, all that stuff is fascinating. So, like, look at the Salem Witch Trials. You had people that were being threatened with uh, – you either had two choices. Like if they called you a witch, you could confess or you could deny being a witch. In which case that was taken as evidence that you're a witch, much like white fragility, right? You either confess to your white fragility. If you deny it, that means you have white fragility. So, but people would confess and people would confess and they would beg for forgiveness. This is a weird human thing. This, the, the power, the power that the culture around you, that the group around you has over your mind um, if you guys haven't seen it, there's a documentary right now that I was fortunate enough to get to watch it on this road trip, a part of it. It's a documentary series on HBO. It's about the Nexium cult. Do you guys remember this a couple years ago? The actors from Smallville. Yeah, Allison were they the Mack. upstate
0: New York people who had the s- sex yes. cult thing going on? Yeah.
1: Yes. So the Nexium itself was pretty much from like Landmark, which is a cult that <laughs> I got accidentally taken to. That's Landmarks a, all over California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Landmark's huge. Yeah, I accidentally went to one of their... I was taken in and left but uh but so it's kind of like landmark the nexium thing it's all about self-improvement and they they teach you a lot of a lot of it's grounded in truth they're teaching you very real things about what's wrong with lying and about a negative self-image and all these restricting things that we put on ourselves to that kind of keep us from achieving our full potential because we have these self-limiting beliefs and they grounded in truth but then they add all this other stuff on top of it so they're selling you the truth and then all the cult stuff Right, and so they had this this cult within a cult that started called DOS, Dominant Over Submissive, and all these women and these actresses who were in the group, they they basically had this, ma- and they called each other master and slave. They had master slave relationships.
0: That's a normal kink branded, thing, I think. right? Yeah.
1: They branded these women with a cauterizing iron. They branded them with the initials of Alison Mack and Keith Rainier, the the, fa- the founder <laughs> of this cult. Okay, but what's interesting is in the docu series you see them interviewing people and talking and they have all this footage because they were documenting everything because they had the, the documentary filmmaker from what the bleep do we know that guy was in the cult. And so he was shooting footage all the time and they have all this footage. What's interesting about it. and I swear I'm getting back on topic is that you, they, they are interviewing these people who were in the cult for decades who left yep. and you get to see that they're talking about waking up to it. And it's just like when I woke up from the woke ideology, what happened for this one guy who's being interviewed? Mark, the the documentary director he said and this is a guy who preached it he worked his way to the top in this cult he said once he understood that he had been told one lie that cracked everything open for him Mm. and then he started thinking about the other lies and wondering well is that a lie and questioning things
0: right right
1: But, but until that, until you get exposed, until you, you're aware that you've been told a lie, the cult programming is amazing. These people, like one of the women who worked her way up, she got the brand. She, she consented to this master slave thing with a woman in the group. She was keeping secrets from her husband and, and she's like breaking down, telling it because she's trying to explain how a rational person gets there. How you lie to yourself, it's like it's fascinating, but I think it's the same thing with these like you're saying um these in the book nineteen eighty four or if you're talking about parents who were turned in by their their children in Soviet Russia, they haven't seen the one lie yet there's something that's still they're still in the cult indoctrination. This woman was able to lie to herself and say all this nexium, the cult the sex stuff and the slave stuff and the the um the branding and all of this was somehow still about self-improvement.
2: Right. Right.
1: And, and if she had any questions, they had indoctrinated into her. If you have any questions about it, that is your own ego or that is your anger. That's something that you need to work through. That's your prop. That's they, they indoctrinate you against questioning it. Thank you for this. Letting me do this long tangent. I just think it's really interesting. So. No,
0: it, it's super interesting, and, and where my brain is going while you're talking about that, what, I, what I'm thinking of is um, the question for me is not how can people lie to themselves. Obviously, like our, our mental apparatus is brilliant at being able to justify things and lie to ourselves. We're going yes. we be really good at that, right? Um, the question is how do you end up how do you how do you take a kid and and turn them into someone who's who doesn't trust their like trust other people's judgment over their own and and i think this is this to me gets to like some of the roots of actually some of my parenting philosophy but also um just generally one of the problems with 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 authority and conformity for the I'm not against like understanding why things are done a certain way and like traditionally and, and and you know then reinforcing them, but there's this idea that we are supposed to eradicate the independent judgment and thought in kids. And no one says it that that explicitly, but a lot of things that we do are designed around eradicating um the self-reliance. I mean, you even mentioned like, oh, they say it's the ego. Like that's a bad thing. There's there's the ego that people use to mean like, oh, the braggadocious, you know, arrogant kind of aspect of you. But ego itself is like that's your sense of who you are. That's yourself. Your ego is actually a very important like your your ego should be a, you should have a healthy ego. And a healthy ego doesn't say, well, my My judgment is this, but I'm going to suspend it because there's peer pressure or because an authority says or whatever. And I think that just in my experience, I think that kids are born generally with healthy egos. I mean, I'm sure there's some genetics and other stuff at play. But I think kids generally have to be taught to not trust their own judgment and to substitute their judgment for someone else's. And that's what's dangerous.
1: Well, just along those lines. It wasn't just the ego. You made me think of this. They in the in this documentary about Nexium, they attacked their intuition
2: mm, and their right?
1: fear. They told them not to trust their intuition and, and and they told them any intuition they had was like fear. And the fear was something they had to get through, and get past. And right. the guy, one of the guy former cult members who's being interviewed, correctly says that he came to realize that your fear is sometimes good. It, if a bus is plowing towards you. Right. Your fear is telling you to get out of the way. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And I think it's this it's the um, there is something, you know, there's something about you could call it rugged individualism, self-reliance, personal responsibility. There's lots of names that you could call it. But, you know, there's this idea. And I think it's and I think it's culturally necessary for the survival of uh, Western civilization, uh, there's this idea that you're the judge, jury, and executioner. Like, not not actually executioner. You're the judge. You're responsible for your own behavior. You're responsible for your own beliefs. You're responsible to judge what you think is right and wrong in the world. You can't abdicate that responsibility to someone else. It's your job to, like, your mental apparatus is your responsibility, and and it is the thing that you should rely on more than anything else. And so many people substitute, they're willing to substitute, um, Ayn Rand called it social metaphysicians when they would substitute what everyone else thinks is true for what they thought is true. So like I've been to China, but if everyone tells me like China doesn't exist, I'll just believe them that it was a mirage because even though that's contrary to my own experience, that's like a social metaphysician is just they're willing to just kind of suspend what they believe is real because of social pressure. Um, and similarly, like people who just obey authority. And you know the left used to have these bumper stickers that was question authority. And uh, that was the one bumper sticker that even when I was I, when I was young, I was more on the right before I became libertarian. And even when I was religious and on the right, I loved. I was always like, why do they get that cool bumper sticker? I love that bumper sticker. That bumper sticker is correct. You should question authority. It doesn't mean you should always defy authority. But um, I I don't know. There's there's something there. I can't really expound on it anymore in the show because I haven't thought about it deeply. But there's something there that's very important, which is self-reliance on your own judgment. And when you're willing to suspend that, some evil actor can come in and take control of you like a puppet. And make you do a whole bunch of things because you'll justify everything if you let them decide what's right and wrong suddenly you'll use all of your mental faculty to justify whatever behavior they have you doing and it's very dangerous um yeah because you're
1: relying on someone else to tell you it's 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 going back to the question from b it's the way that um it well in social justice the social justice cult for example a lot of white people wait to be told yes. what to think right? by asking people of color in the cult. Now they don't listen to people of color outside the cult, but black people in the cult, they were one of the things that started to wake me up and make me question was after the election, after Trump won in my social justice cult, there was a big thing about wearing safety pins and it was like, Oh, white people, you all need yep. to wear safety pins to show that you're one of the good white people. I mean, essentially that's not the way they phrased it, but you need to wear a safety pin to show that you stand, you stand with gay people and black people and Muslim people because they had let, they had told us that after Trump was elected that he was gonna start putting people in camps and all this stuff. A lot of people really believe this. And so there was this, this idea that like, to show that you're an ally and you stand in solidarity with marginalized people, you need to wear these safety pins. And so woke white people everywhere started wearing the safety pins. Well, within a couple of days, because it often contradicts itself, then then there started being the opposite kind of articles coming out. So woke articles saying woke white people quit wearing the safety pins. You're just trying to show that you're a good white person. Like it's just about virtue signaling. And so all these white women in my social justice circles online were seriously posting status updates like I don't know what to do. Should I wear the safety pin? Should I not? Black women. Tell me what to, like, they were like, <laughs> seriously, like, black women, do come tell me what to do. And it, it's like, why are you waiting for someone else to tell you what is morally right or wrong? That, that for me, just kind of shook me a little bit awake. Yep. Like, you, you are dependent upon a, a, a collectivist. You're dependent upon an opinion that's solely valued for the race of the person within the cult, again that you wouldn't listen to what Candace Owens might have to say on safety pens, you know. Right. But you're going to listen to your woke uh sisters of color, but you it's just such a weird like I'm waiting to be told what to believe.
0: Yep. It's so weird. Yeah. And you no, can, be, I, I, you can yeah. be
1: absolutely manipulated when you're in that state.
0: Yeah. And I and I think no matter what kind of authoritarian you're talking about, whether it's a left authoritarian, a right authoritarian, a government, a cult, a it doesn't matter, you know, a a social group, the most dangerous thing to authoritarians is independent judgment. So that's, you know, that's what they need to eradicate. And independent judgment, I mean, that's one of the big problems I have with Public schools they're basically designed to eradicate independent judgment and independence generally they don't they want you to conform they want you to be like everyone else think like everyone else and do not have your own independent judgment and independent judgment means you'll be wrong sometimes but the the existence of independent judgment is the poison to authoritarianism and it, it, they authoritarians can't survive with a society full of individual thinkers so um that's the antidote everyone teach your kids to be independent thinkers okay i i feel like we've beat a dead horse we should move on right unless you have we one did, more thing then no, okay good?
1: well one no. last thing is yeah, this wasn't a super chat but the chat's scrolling pretty fast guys so i did see one that went by where somebody was asking about um was i afraid when i was in the cult they, they, yes they have a any kind of purity fundamentalist belief system or cult or ideology there's this fear of not being ideologically correct or pure enough. You always have that. And as Carter's saying, it's, it's not about independent thought or critical thinking or having your own coming to your own conclusions through life experience and thought and argumentation and, and, you know, having conversations. It's not about arriving at your own conclusions. It's about speaking the tenets of the belief system correctly. And so a lot of social justice warriors have this like background anxiety all the time because they're afraid of saying the wrong the wrong thing of stepping in it right yep you know of wearing the safety pin because one day the the word from on high was to wear it and then the next day being chastised for wearing it you know that's they have this fear constantly
0: well think about what um, state that puts you in right like, it it turns your again it's designed to turn your focus instead of what do i think constantly be worried about what does everyone else think all the time and you need to be right. vigilant about being correct about assessing the what the group thinks and if you if you you know if you get it wrong you could get ostracized and bad things could happen to you you gotta you gotta be very hyper aware and hyper in tune with whatever it is that group consensus is um hive mind someone writes in chat so yep yeah. all right a little skeptic thank you a little skeptic says what you two okay, do is so right. important please protect your friendship and minds because we need these voices more than ever. It only gets <clears throat> worse without that. Uh, thank you. Will
1: Thank you for the good advice. Carter and I need to protect our friendship. We've had a few uh, yelling matches lately. Oh, we do have yelling text.
0: matches sometimes. It's okay. <laughs> I would, Oh, I, w- we had the worst. The last one was the worst. It was over text, but Carrie was awesome because sometimes Carrie's also angry in a way where we like butt heads. But Carrie was angry in a way where she like judo moved and she kind of just laughed at it. And I was like, oh, I became self-aware that I was going crazy. And she was like, maybe capable of going crazy, but kind of like recognized that she wasn't going to go there. Uh, and we were able to come back that, out. So.
1: That our fight was absurd.
0: Our fight was absurd, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But she got me with an emoji. The emoji. <laughs> she got me with an emoji all right uh Tatiana Fisk (laughs) thank you Tatiana I didn't just explain 9-11 to my eight-year-old I showed him and Gavin McGinnis did a good job explaining the tragedy and how it's important not to forget oh and he thinks masks are dumb (laughs) good I like Gavin McGinnis I you know what I I uh I did explain to her because it was at the dinner table and I wasn't going to whip out the television but it did make me want to go realize like oh I should find some um footage I should find some things to kind of present uh, present to her so she sees what was going on. Um, Tomsky nine ninety nine. Thank you, Tomsky. One eight hundred report, Carter. I don't know what that was about. Probably I said something. <laughs> oh, it was when you were talking about the <laughs> show, like uh, the the 9-11 calls where you report people. Probably, I probably said uh, something. Oh
1: yeah, report, Carter.
0: Report worthy. Um. <laughs> And it's it's kind of a waste to report me, I would imagine, because anyone who would care, already, I'm already on the blacklist. So he did another thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean Welch. Thank you, Sean. Sean says, Carrie, have you seen Joe Rogan at the grocery yet?
1: Oh, he moved to Texas, right? Uh, no, I have not because I haven't been back in Texas, and, but I will be back there soon. And maybe I'll see him at the grocery. Who knows?
0: Yeah. I'll be like, how, hey, come on will show?
1: I recognize him? Without the, without if people are wearing all the masks, I don't even recognize people I know anymore. Uh, with the store, and people are like, "Hey," and I'm like, who's that? They've all done the mask. <laughs>
0: the guy, there's one store that I visit locally, and that I I am intentionally visiting more now because I always catch the guy behind the register like with his mask pulled down, and like when someone comes in, he like looks to see if he needs to pull it up, and if they don't like give him an evil eye, he just leaves it down. <laughs> Uh, That's his personal form of <laughs> of uh, resistance. Okay.
1: This was the thing I was going to tell you about before I read the – oh, the Democrat person's still texting me. Um, but I was going to tell you about this because I took a picture of it. A couple of the shops I was in, and this is on the same street in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was super anti-mask, and I, wa- I walked in. I was putting my mask on dutifully, but then I saw that the woman who was running the shop – didn't have hers on, so took it off, of course. Right. I'm not going to wear it if I don't have to. Yeah. And and then when I left, she was super nice. And when I left, I saw this sign on her business, and it says on tape to the door. I didn't see it when I went in. It says, unfortunately, due to dumbass Governor Palas and his policies that we do not agree with at this establishment, anyone over the age of 11 is supposed to wear a mask, exclamation point. However, we will not kick you out if you do not have one. We appreciate your business and God bless. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, right on, look at her. Um, and then right down the street from her,
0: I went into a place full of mask holes. And they <laughs> oh, that's not, a great term. I haven't heard that before.
1: Uh, yeah, it was not. I mean, it, they were from the beginning. I got a bad vibe. There was a woman, but my, our friend wanted to go in there, but they had a chain, and I stepped forward to read, and there was a woman standing there at the door with a chain across the door with a sign, and I stepped forward to read what the sign said, and I was putting my mask on as I was reading the sign, and it said uh, only 10 people at a time. And and then the woman says, while I'm reading it, she goes, this place, it's already full, and that woman's in front of you. I'm like, okay, I'm not (laughs) trying to cut the line, I'm trying to read your sign. So anyway, then I already got a bad vibe. And then as we go in, when it was our turn, she pulled the chain back, and uh, my boyfriend was still putting his mask on. So she let me in, but then she stood and blocked the doorway with her body until he got his mask fastened all the way around his ear. And then with great flourish, she like stepped back to let him in because now he has the mask. And then we got in. They love this stuff. Around.
0: These little, these little tyrants love, love it. it. I know. These
1: tyrants love it. So we got in there. And when I am forced to wear it, I don't cover my nose because I can't breathe, and I'm not going to. Right. Sorry. And usually people don't really care, but this one woman, I had it, you know, under the nose. And this one woman, she's in a conversation. She works there. She's in a conversation with someone else. And as I walk by her, I got the distinct impression she wanted to say something to me. She kind of body language, like, turned to. And then she says, it, it, she doesn't. She continues the conversation. But then she, a few seconds later, she does turn to me and say. Excuse me, can you pull the mask up over your nose? Like she loves this. She's she's now the authority to tell me where to they put it. they love it. it you know?
0: They love it. So I There's just
2: so...
1: I just took it off and I said no, I can't. I'll leave your store and I left. It's like I'm not gonna put it, no, I'm not gonna put it over my nose. Anyway, I'm sorry. That was a boring no, no. Aside, it, but, it's, it's,
0: but it, it's great. There's this is a busy this is a busybody's wet dream. This whole this it's whole
1: a busybody's wet dream. And and like I said at the beginning, it's bringing out the worst side of humanity in some people, those people who have that controlling nature, it's like just sitting back waiting to, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but speaking of low grade, like background anxiety, um, a lot of people I know are talking about how they just feel in general. And myself, I felt this in general being out in the world today with the mass mandates and all this stuff, everybody seems a little on edge. Like they're waiting any minute for someone to come up and, and, and and chastise them for something or engage with them about, you know, like it's co- co- like this constant kind of like just low grade, low grade background anxiety of like, Oh God, he's going to try and F with me today. I didn't have that up in Northern Idaho and Montana. I felt very free,
3: relaxed.
1: Yep. People were normal. There wasn't this constant, like, what does that person think about this? And I, what do I think about them? And it, oh God.
0: Yeah. I think anyway. we, I think we mentioned this way back towards the beginning of COVID, but one of the things That this is accomplishing is it's um, instead of it's it's creating uh, social friction in a way that uh, is isolating and prevents people from connecting um, meaningfully with one another. And it it is that social friction. I think is actually it's good for people who wish to divide, and it's good for authoritarians because you know. In a world where people smile and get along with each other and they know each other and they hang out and and they're allowed to have barbecues, uh, people don't want to snitch on each other because they know each other and they can connect and there's a benevolence between humans in in that culture. But if you want a culture of snitches, you need to start isolating people and making sure that they're not connecting with new people. You're not meeting new people anymore. You're not getting to know the cash register at the new cafe that you go to or whatever you're not you're not doing that anymore people are keeping to themselves and everyone's terrified of each other that they're going to get reported for being white or for not wearing a mask or for you know having the wrong hat or whatever it is um so yeah it's it's pretty sinister it's pretty sinister okay yeah Tomsky 999 thank you Tomsky 999 says my copy of cynical theories arrived this morning yay weekend reading yeah, mine just arrived the other day, but I, I haven't cool. I haven't cracked it open yet. Um, Live Free. Live Free. Thank you, Live Free. It says, thank you guys for your work. You're a part of my go-to for processing the current issues we face culturally in our country. Your work is so important for all Americans to listen to. Thank you, Live Free. I appreciate the super chat. All right. Let's scroll, scroll. On. We might be done. Oh, nope. B. Allen. Thank you, B. Allen. B. Allen just... Uh, Gives us five bucks. No, no comment. Thank, Thank you, you B. Matt Moran says, "You guys rock." Thank you, Matt. Thank Appreciate you the super chat. Uh, and are we, are we towards the end here? We might be towards the end of super chats, which is lets us continue. We, you know what? We try and keep up on super chats. I apologize that they just there's just so much so much going on. Alright, I think we're done. If we're not done, I'm... Oh, wait, no. Little Ragamuffin. Thank you, Little Ragamuffin. I hope everything's going going well over there in in Vegas. The best way to be SJWs is to not give an F about what other people think about you, have a solid foundation in your own beliefs, and never be afraid to speak your mind. That's just great advice generally. Uh, I think, Little Ragamuffin, thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I love advice from Little Ragamuffin.
0: Yeah, I, I, I was wanna, just thinking I, about the word Spitfire comes to mind with a Little Ragamuffin, but I mean it, it, that's a good a thing, spitfire. right? I just feel like it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mr. Biggles again uh, with was, the Definity logo. Uh, sorry, do you want to say something first?
1: Oh, just as a as a I was just thinking about that low grade anxiety of people s- saying things, and um, I was on a hike a week ago, over a week ago maybe, and I don't think I talked about this on the show, but it, this particular trail said no dogs. Um, but I didn't see that at the beginning. Plus even, let's be honest, if I'd seen it, I still would have taken my dog <laughs> and, and, uh, he's a good hiker for a little dog. He can do, we did a six mile hike together, a uh, round trip. But, um, but I was on this hike and, and it was funny because this was the hike I was on where I told you about. It was weird because it was all outdoors was at this remote place, very low COVID rates in, in this place where I was. <clears throat> but it, maybe 50% of the people were wearing masks outdoors on a strenuous I hike. I love when people wear masks hiking.
0: It's one of my favorite things.
1: <laughs> it was kind of weird. And <laughs> <clears throat> so I made sure for those people, I usually, when I'm hi- I'll say hello to people i pass. I made especially sure to smile and say hi to those people just trying to evoke some humanity behind their mask But this one woman at the almost everybody who saw Tiger Tiger liked him and was like, Oh, what a cute dog. I looked oh, nothing but positive comments. And then at the almost at the top, at the at the end of the hike in one direction, I passed this older couple, and they're both wearing masks on the hike. And the woman as she passes me starts to say something and I immediately was like, oh, God, say something about not wearing a mask. The masks aren't even required out here. What is she yeah. possibly saying? And from behind her mask, she's like, "Dogs aren't allowed on the hike."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I was like, "Of course, that personality type who would have a problem with my dog being here is also wearing the mask." But but
0: bitches are allowed. Just, so God, she's you know
1: what I said. This is speaking of defusing, uh, defusing, sorry, defusing arguments. Yes. Um, I just automatically spat out as I was walking, like, mind your own beeswax. Mm. I mean, how can you... That's, beeswax that's a good
0: de-escalation. A good
1: yeah. Who says You beeswax? did use the
0: word beeswax, so that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try it. Keep your malarkey to yourself. Yeah. You can...
1: <laughs> anyway, but it is, it's like... And I, and I wonder if that woman would – she probably maybe would have still said that if we weren't living in this new age, that we're living in this new right. culture of mass-wearing and authoritarianism. Sure. But maybe not. Maybe it's encouraged. I think it's encouraging the people who have that in them. It's making them even more controlling and yeah, more like wanting to get up in your business about whatever, you know, yep. in, out in public. And it just was weird. I was like, God, lady.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, there's because a lot of latent personality traits that are good or bad, and – Often the environment allows those traits to either flourish or like those traits get turned on and, and amplified or they get suppressed. and we're definitely in a society which in which if you are a a useless busybody who you know dreams about being a tyrant, this world's for you right now. this society is like for that? you, baby oh, yeah. uh, so there All you the
1: go. Yeah, the Karens of the world, the, the reporters, the guy call in and snitches, you know, the, right. the little tyrants tell you what you, how you have to behave in public. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks
2: for letting me do that.
0: No, that's good. Um, we don't have a lot, I don't have a lot more to talk about today. I do feel like we should mention the, um, I do think we, we need to mention the Michigan non-POC cafe because it's just so perfect. Oh yes. I mean. I
1: the... So Mr. Biggle's real quick as you're yep. pulling that up. Yep. Mr. Biggle's did give a super chat and it says Oh, that's Thank right. Thank you Mr. Biggle's. It Thank says, you. "Have you seen James Lindsay's recent article, a first amendment case for freedom from the woke religion?" Still have to reread it a couple of times to really take it in, but interesting. You know, no, I haven't. And James Lindsay as we as you guys know, if you watch the show, you probably get familiar with him, does amazing work. Mm. So I want to read that. Thank you Mr. Biggle's.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay, I sometimes feel like I don't believe what my eyes are showing me because the left can't be this, they can't lack self-awareness to this level. Like They can't be that unaware of what they're doing, but here we go. I know a lot of people saw this. University of Michigan-Dearborn had this uh, advertisement. They have... I, I don't know if they're going to have the second session, because the first session, people didn't respond to it well. But they had a... They developed a, a virtual cafe called the Non-PLC, people of color, Cafe. The non poc Cafe... Is a space for students that do not identify as persons of color to gather and discuss their experiences as students on campus and as non-POC in the world, hosted by the Center for Social Justice and Inclusion. Now, I think really they should have just called it uh, the whites-only cafe. But you know, I'm not a I'm not as good at marketing. So yeah, they have this <laughs> cafe, and uh, and here they go, non-POC cafe. I I really. Carrie, I I don't know what to even say. There's nothing to say about this other than.
1: I have something to say. Yeah, please. So I just sent you a graphic. Can you put it on the screen?
0: Let me find it. Yeah.
1: So this is something. Oh, Oh, yeah. Making the
0: obvious analogy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To to make the obvious analogy, because they also had a BIPOC cafe like a a person of color cafe. So I put the two images side by side, like here's the white person cafe and here's their people of color cafe. And then I also put an image of the segregated water fountains that we all know from history. And I just said, is, is it, are you starting to notice how, how much white supremacy and social justice have in common? If you do, if you are, you're not alone. This is not progressive. It's not liberal. It's not anti-racist. It is racist. And it's wrong, right? And I thought, look, this will be pretty stark for people who maybe are starting to wake up and wondering if they're alone or if this is weird. Is it just them, you know? And mostly it was a good response. But I, I did get this interesting response, Carter. I Someone got, defended uh, this?
0: We do need separate water fountains.
1: No, because here's what I'm, I'm used to that. The, the, the the, the diehard SJWs will defend the separate waterfowl. They will. Okay. Because they are very close to white supremacists, (laughs) even though they they don't admit it. They have their reasoning for why, just like they have the reasoning for why racism is cool when they Mm -hmm. call it anti-racism. Um, but no, it's the casual kind of MPC SJW. I got a response from one of those guys. This is a guy I used to know in real life in the entertainment world. And, I don't know if you remember, but uh, remember when I talked about Stu Smith? I don't mind naming him now. An, an old oh, friend of mine from yep. the entertainment world who's a, a senior vice president at Fullscreen, which mm-hmm. is owned by Warner Media Group, I think. And so he had started late one night. I'd, weirdly, after not he- hearing from him for years, started calling me a white supremacist on my page. <laughs> it's like, what, why? And then I looked at his Twitter profile, the senior VP at Fullscreen, and he had just posted all this woke stuff. And he had talked about going through Warner Media Groups, uh, unlearning racism, you know, one of these woke, yeah, white fragility, racist indoctrination seminars. Mm -hmm. And so what did he get out of it? He got out of it that he should come to a fellow white person's page and virtue signal and call them names and then he couldn't even defend his ideas. I said, look, I oppose your ideology, which I was in for 20 years, by the way. And I, and I articulate it much better than you're doing. Um, I oppose it because it's racist, because it tells us that we need that we should judge and treat people differently on the basis of race. And you know what he replied, Carter? He replied, we must treat people differently on the basis of race out of the mouth of babes. And morons, you will hear the truth because <laughs> when it gets filtered down to a moron like Stu Smith, it loses all the pseudo intellectual. Right. All the nuance opinion. and all the yes.
0: all the dressed up right. language that's that's that, you know, yeah, that Kimberly Crenshaw would use so, is it's distilled. So yep. when
1: it comes out of his mouth, he says what it really is. And the same thing, you'll hear kids who are indoctrinated with this crap at school. Little kids, they come home and they say, I learned white people are bad. Yes, because that's how it. That's the yes, essence of this belief system. Yes, that is what you learned. Yes, you are learning, Stu Smith, that it is that we should treat people differently on the basis of race. What's weird is that you're a professional man and you don't think that that's wrong because you've accepted that they've redefined the word racism. So it's cool. It's cool to be racist now. Um, but anyway, so this was a friend of his, and who Stu had tagged in the post way back then. Mm-hmm. So he comes out in defense of this and, and his defense was not to defend the segregation. Cause he's like a casual SJW. What he tried to do was say, Hey, this is an anomaly and you're hysterical and you're trying to say that this is the norm. And I just, I was like, wow, either you're, you're hopelessly naive or much like the cult I talked about earlier, where it's fascinating how the human might, how you can lie to yourself or you're in an incredible amount of self-delusion and you're lying to yourself because this has been happening um, at the college at the college level the the segregated spaces the segregated graduations the segregated cafes um, and dorm rooms has happened at multiple colleges and universities it's been in the news multiple places for the past two years you don't happen to have followed that news like I have I get it but but at, like an SJW would say go educate yourself sir like, Google it. I gave him some college names. Google what happened to Evergreen. Look at Middlebury. Look at Yale. Look at Reed College. Um, and so I just, what what I said to him also was that it's it's weird because over the past two or three years, or the past two years that you and I have been doing this show, Carter, mm-hmm. people would say, a lot of people on the left or liberals or maybe like casual SJWs like this guy, who weren't aware, who were hopelessly naive, would say things like, You guys are making a mountain out of a molehill. This is never going to leave. This is just at colleges. It's never going to leave the colleges. But now that it's become culturally dominant, it's mainstream. Our corporations, you can't turn on Amazon without Amazon speaking this ideology. Every McDonald's is speaking this ideology. Lululemon is speaking. It's everywhere now. And so nobody nobody is denying it anymore. I don't meet very many clueless people anymore. Either they're gung-ho SJWs. Who are like, yeah, look how far we've come in are defending the segregated water fountains. Or there are people who are quietly emailing me and calling me and saying, wow, you were right. And I understand what this is now and asking for advice. Even people in entertainment asking for advice. Uh, but there are very few who still have their head as deeply up their own butt or in the sand, sorry, in the sand as this guy does. And it blew my mind.
0: I'm sorry. No, I would, yeah, I mean, I, little... I I think there's actually quite a few people who are have that guy's perspective probably because they they're just really? yeah because they're just they're yeah they're just NPCs that are all over the place they're just spouting whatever they're supposed to spout I mean I think what he means by I, my guess is what he means by it's an anomaly is oh well of course we have segregated places for people of color but not for white people that's the anomaly <laughs> like it's okay to have people of color segregated places but not white people segregated places like that's okay like you know it, it it's and also i with the college thing that's something that i don't understand when people are like well it's just limited to college campuses name a time name a time in history in which a dominant ideology on college campuses never left it never metastasized into the mainstream what the hell do you think happens when people grow up and graduate they go out into the world and they take the ideology with them. The idea that like oh it's just limited to colleges is just <laughs> you just have to be a moron to think that. That never happens. It's not that's not how colleges work. If 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 ideas were limited to college, there would be no point in going. Well, I learned my engineering, yeah. but as soon as I left, I forgot it all. I have no engineering skills anymore. Like I'm gonna like no like. All the ideas you learn in college persist. They persist. And if you're in the humanities department, uh, in a humanities major, then that's all. It's like four years of indoctrination. And then you go out and run social media for some company or work in HR and you bring all that crap with you. Like, How stupid do you have to be to think that it's always going to stay on campus, that the kids are going to magically grow up and be like, oh wait a minute, now I'm a libertarian because uh, I'm out of college and... Um,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: that that was racist, apparently. Oops. Like, that just this doesn't happen.
2: Yeah.
1: I fought it with me and I was indoctrinated <laughs> 20 years ago. These right. Of course these kids are... Free. And I was the... Probably... There weren't as many of us back then. It was still considered kind of a fringe thing. Right, right. But now it's like the norm. Of course. Of course
0: it's the norm. <laughs> of course it's the norm. Oh, I don't know. Uh, by the way, someone says that they thought... That Tim did a Tim Pool did a show on this, and that they thought it was a, a like a hoax, but it came from the University of Michigan's Twitter account. I don't know how it would be a hoax or not Twitter, Instagram, or whatever account it was. So no,
1: it wasn't a know. hoax. They actually, I don't think it and was. They actually apologized for it. Yeah, the University of Michigan apologized for it. They they because the and the only reason they got called out, you're right, is because they had they had a space for white people, and. <laughs> It, right. not because they had a segregated space for people of color but right. because they had they did the what it, but it's kind of funny because they're just sort of clueless like oh i thought that's what we did. We did. we're okay oh okay i got oh, that part oh, of yeah. it wrong segregated no. space for this
0: <laughs> you just I, honestly the only thing that they did that caused the call out was the name if they had if they had made the non poc space if they had just put right. it in if they just put in quotes everyone space that would be tacitly understood that that's for white people and the other one is for people of color that's it would be understood and no one would get in trouble but they 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 named it the left hates when you accurately name things because it it reveals what they are so if they had just chosen a smarter name and said this is the everyone cafe and this is the people of color cafe wink wink like oh okay i get it everyone is non-poc we're done um Right. So
1: they're, they're only cool with having – well, this isn't – so originally when they started doing these segregated spaces in, within like the social justice ideology or framework, they were only cool with it being segregated spaces for marginalized groups, which itself is bad enough. But it's like right. you can have a women-only space or you can have a trans-only space or you can have a people-of-color-only space. But they're not cool with you having a male space or a white people space or a cisgender space or whatever. Um but then they did start changing that because what they started doing was these workshops for white people, these re-education camps where they separate out the white people, right? And have them.
0: Yeah, they do know, do that, like a, but that's only for questions. to scolding white people. That's okay. Right. You can have a white-only okay, yeah. space if it's about scolding whiteness. Uh I think Got that it. that's okay, right? Um, Gosh,
1: you guys, this idea is so bad.
0: You know, we. You know what? I have an idea though. What we could do, just brainstorming here, we could take like. For like buses, we could label the seats in the back "people of color" seats. I don't know. What do you th- do? You think maybe so they would have their own? Space? No, they would
1: be cool with it if you made them the seats in the front.
0: <laughs> oh, but okay. They,
1: they're, they're fine with the segregation. They just want to like I see. change the word. Instead of saying "colored people," they want to say "people of color." Like they, yeah. would, they would change the wording a little bit.
0: They see that classic picture of the two water fountains, and their only problem is that it says uh, "colored people" instead of "people of color." Then, then it would be fine.
1: Then they'd be Um, fine with it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. God, it's it's so backwards, guys. It's so backwards.
0: All right. Uh, The Dogmatic Muse. Thank you, Dogmatic Muse. says, when the previously unthinkable becomes accepted as expected, riots equal mostly peaceful protest, like canaries dying in the mine, beware. Yep, absolutely. And the previously unthinkable is, uh, has become accepted. In fact, that's the whole frog in the pod analogy i mean if we rewind 100 years lots of unthinkable things have become accepted right we accept that uh i don't know we shouldn't have automatic weapons why because it's the norm right because there was an nfa act and uh we just decided that that was bad now it's acceptable and now how dare you suggest that we should have automatic weapons it's completely crazy all right um Gentleman Warfighter. Thank you, gentlemen. He says, what's the difference between reverse racism and anti-racism? All the mental gymnastics to try to get around what it actually is racism. Yes, those are both the same can racism. I, Go ahead.
1: Can I answer this?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know th- there's this a is the
1: best way to argue with them. Reverse racism isn't real. There's no such thing. There's just racism. Don't accept their terminology. So so if you say reverse racism, it's as if you're already accepting the premise that racism only goes in one direction. And there's this other thing that's called reverse racism in the other. That's ridiculous. Racism is not contingent upon the race being targeted or the race who 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 holds the prejudice beliefs. It's not. That's their lie. So I, I think he understands that, do,
0: which is why he says it's right, actually right. racism. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: But one of my favorite things to do in an argument with them, if you're in an argument with a woke person and they say, which has happened to me a few times, they say reverse racism isn't real, is to say, I agree with you. That's the first thing I've agreed with you on. There's no such thing as a reverse racism. There's simply racism, mm-hmm. period. Um, and then anti-racism is the word they use for racism. Anti-racism means... Judging and treating people differently on the basis of race. They call it anti-racism to cleverly fool you and to make, oh, it's okay to judge and treat people differently on the basis of race because we call it anti-racism. That's my answer. I'm sorry I took control, but I had I felt like... No, I've that's fine. I wouldn't have
0: d- really commented. I would just... Yeah, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So Reverse you didn't take racism. control. I mean, not in you know, a bad thing. way.
1: There's just racism.
0: Yeah, yeah. I... I I agree okay uh the lfr report thank you lfr report carrie what are you de- what you are describing is a severe case of cranial rectosis aka head up there <laughs> yes <laughs> and she actually yes. did say that I, although you switched to sand because you were trying to be polite
1: and head up this
0: sand <laughs> <laughs> head up your sand dune <laughs> all right
1: okay I have to take a bathroom break soon. If we're no, no, I, to I, I
0: know we should end soon, okay. but I think we should end by playing a little game that kentonu knew for Chuck sent. Okay. Thank you, Kent, if you're, if you're in chat. I don't know if you're in chat today. Uh, i I quite like this game. I hadn't seen it. I think Carrie had seen this before, but all right, this game is called. Uh, here we I'll, I'll, let me full screen it properly. This game is called. You are presenting at a graduate conference in the humanities. What is the vague title of your paper? So first, uh, Carrie, do uh, first initial. Let's do Carrie. First initial, Carrie, identifying uh, Smith, where's Mm -hmm. S? Identifying the self. And then what's your birth month, Carrie? October. Identifying the self as a site of political contestation. That's excellent title by the way you can also add a prefix to your title if you'd like uh, which is the last text message you sent followed by a colon so you know there's a there's an option let's see we can do i'm gonna do uh beverly because she just told me her birthday yesterday for the third time but now i remember it uh so, Beverly, in chat, you are, she's one of our moderators, you are uh, reinterpreting identity in an intersectional framework. I think that's a great title. And congratulations, you get your PhD. I don't know, that's all. Thank you, Kent. I, I like this kind of stuff. Uh, I, I think Thank the, you, the ac- academia, specifically the humanities, and we'll say, philosophy english english sociology they have become such a parody of themselves uh that it's really hard like this actually isn't that far-fetched none of this is that far-fetched okay one more super chat and then we can go uh rock lexicon thank you rock says thank my you, ex, rock. my ex-wife who i still care about a lot is buying into white guilt she's reading ibram kendi Carrie, any thoughts on how I can lovingly wake her up? I want to show her the Uncle Tom documentary.
1: Oh, by the way, I watched the Uncle Tom documentary this week on the recommendation of several people in chat and it was amazing. It was well done. Uh it's by Larry Elder. If you guys don't know him, he's a black conservative. Uh who he also brought in a lot of other that maybe twenty different maybe people were featured in it. No. Or libertarian. I'm Sorry. not. I'm not as familiar with him, but he gets called a black conservative because he doesn't agree with the woke narrative. <laughs>
2: All right. And,
1: got it. <laughs> right. Sure. He's some kind of black white supremacist. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, he. anyway, he did an excellent job. He brought in a lot of different voices. Candace Owens is in it. Uh, Patricia Williams. Uh, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, the, one of the guys from Walkaway. It'll come to me in a second. Also, Brandon Tatum from Blexit is in it. Um, anyway, it's got a lot of different people. They also show footage of Thomas some other things. But what I liked about it was they not only present facts, they do a good job. You know, we talk about Jonathan Haidt's book about speaking to the elephant, Mm. you know, the elephant being your emotional mind versus speaking to the writer, which is more your your intellectual, your rational mind. They speak to both people change their mind when you speak to their elephant, they don't usually change their mind. if you're speaking to their rational mind, that's why you can give somebody all the facts in the world. It doesn't matter until you learn how to tell them a story that pulls them in emotionally. And so the best thing to do is to speak to their elephant and also their rational to have both to have, because the left is really good. The left is the social justice crowd is really good at speaking to the elephant and they do not have the facts. They don't speak to the rational mind at all. What a great toolkit if you could do both. And this film does both. It's, it's beautiful. It made me cry. We want to talk about speaking to the elephant? It made me cry. It was great. So that was an aside. You guys should go watch it. It's at UncleTom.com. Um, but uh, Rock says she's reading Ibram Kendi. Here's what I would suggest. It, it, when it's someone who's close to you, who you love and you care about, I definitely treat those people differently than someone I don't know. It's a stranger, SJW on the internet. This is someone you love. Uh, there's no magic pill to wake her up. But what you could do is show that you respect her by reading that book that she's reading that awful book and, and saying like, I don't think I'm going to agree with this, but I'm, I'm going to read it. Would you w- watch a documentary that, that really moved me if I read this book and like, let's talk afterwards. And what a great, if she's willing to engage in that with you, amazing. Cause then you read the book, you it, it's going to help you strengthen your arguments against it to have read it anyway. And then, if she's willing to do that and watch the documentary, then you guys can have a conversation afterwards. And, and look at that. You demonstrated that you have an open mind enough to read that crap book. (laughs) And from her point of view, you're recommending some crap documentary, right? But you demonstrated with your behavior, what you would like to see reflected from her. And then maybe she'll be willing to do that. So that would be my suggestion.
0: Makes me want to go watch the documentary. Oh gosh, it's so
1: good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. is it on netflix or amazon or somewhere
1: i don't think it's anywhere yet except their website unfortunately oh, okay. but they have on the on youtube they have de- some deleted scenes and the deleted scenes are amazing you guys go watch the deleted scenes on the uncle tom youtube account the deleted scenes are so good which tells you how good the movie is that this is what ended up on the cutting room floor okay
0: cool by the way i i did have it that is de blasio on the cover today i didn't really talk about de blasio i don't really want to talk about de blasio Uh, New York's freaking out because it turns out if you force businesses to close and uh, allow people to riot, the economy suffers. End of story. Uh, I guess, I guess de Blasio is not getting love from the businesses in New York who are a little bit pissed and wrote a letter to him. So that's the story. We don't really need to talk about it, but I needed to mention it because his face is on our cover today. So... Gary, oh my I think gosh, that's a- the
2: clickbait
1: face! I'm kidding. I know, I know.
0: click <laughs> clickbait. Right. Everyone wants to see De Blasio in a mask. Um,
1: you know, I thought about that after that episode, the last episode of Coffee Break, where somebody said you guys use Edward Snowden's face as clickbait, and I, I, I thought I, I forgot to say it. didn't occur to me during the episode, but I thought of it later. I was like, you're assuming that Everett Snowden's face is clickbaitable. <laughs> like what? All
0: right. Right, everyone wants world to is see that it
1: even clickbait but yeah
0: okay all right well um Carrie great conversation as good always evening. you have, have a, a good, good afternoon yeah you too have a good weekend and everyone else have a good weekend we will see you back on Monday and uh, I don't know do something and, and enjoy fun. join our oh. book
1: club if you're if you're a reader or if you want to have reason to read join our book club you can go to unsafespace.com to the book club page um, we've got the next two books on there. The ones that we're cur- the currently reading and the one after also, if you uh, want to support us financially, you can go to unsayspace.com space.com to the donate page. There's lots of different ways to donate, donate the one that we most often point people towards is subscribe star, where you can become like a monthly donor and get in the in credits. Uh, even if you give a dollar a month, uh, yes. or you can give a one-time tip there as well. And, uh, if you can't afford to do that, but you like the show, you can always hit like subscribe, or share the video, and we're doing clips now, thanks to Beverly. You can share the clips.
0: Yes, and as a reminder, if there's links or stuff that we talked about that you want to find, there will be a pinned comment um underneath the video, and that stuff should, links. Links from chat will be in that pinned comment, and also links that we talked about will actually be in the show description as well. So, um yeah, I think that's I think that's it. Have a good weekend, everyone. We'll see Have you a Monday. Good weekend, guys. Bye. Later. Bye, Carly. See you there.
3: Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 98.5% chance that these individuals are on the wrong side of history. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Why choose between liberty and security when you can give up both? Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.